Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Three balls, two strikes, runner goes from first, the pitch is crushed. Way back to right, it is gone. Kyle Schwarber demolishing that changeup. You think he didn't think that changeup was coming? He wasn't fooled even almost a little bit. 16th home run of the season for Kyle Schwarber. It's a three-run shot, and it's a 5 to nothing Phillies lead. Bring up the Phillies, Jody Mack. Break them up. They're too good for the rest of the league. Damn, this has been fun the last week, wouldn't you say, Glenn? Since you and I uh, did a show together, they've that's been it. okay. People are wondering what's the key. I believe that's it. <laughs> Reunion. Uh, good morning, everybody. He is Jody McDonald. I am Glenn Mack. Now we are here until 1 o'clock for a festive three hours. Looking forward to talking to you. And, yes, the, uh, we open with the obvious. The Phillies have won eight in a row. They have outscored opponents Jody, 70-24 to 24 during those eight games. They have slugged 21 homers in eight games. 21 homers in eight games. And the big news, of course, is they are back to 500. Uh, my math, which I can't promise you is correct, but it tells me they are just two and a half games out of that last playoff spot when, you know, 10 days, two weeks ago, there was no hope. Jody McDonald, there is hope. Uh, six home games coming up uh, started last night against the Arizona Diamondbacks. They have turned it around, and I want to start, if we may, by talking about how they have how they have turned it around. And um, I'll let you go first. How how in the world have they turned it around? Well, first things first, I'd like to thank the Phillies for keeping it with nice even numbers, um, because yes, they fell to a season low eight games under five hundred. Uh, that was uh, the last, the, before the last game that Joe Girardi managed, that was the seasonal low. And, oh, by the way, they've ripped off eight consecutive wins, so it's very easy. They're back to 500. I didn't think they could get back to 500 till maybe July and then make a push. Eight games later, they're back to 500, so thank you very much for making the math easy on all of us. Um, Glenn, what this tells me more than anything else is anyone who believes that emotion – and feel and momentum and energy don't have a place in Major League Baseball, and then you haven't watched the Phillies for the last mm-hmm. eight days, that this is more than just, 
oh, the great moves by Rob Thompson. And when you and I did the show together last week, I told you um, I know Robbie a little bit because my father's known him for 35 years, and uh, he is a good baseball man and was the guy to take over for Joe Girardi. Smart decision by Dave Dombrowski. I've watched all eight of these games. Has Robbie made moves that just defy logic, that have all worked out, that this is some kind of managerial genius? Of course not. He's, he's a lot like Joe Girardi. He hasn't done much different than Joe Girardi did. The results are what's different. Why? Because the players picked it up. Guys are playing to what we expected them to play, what the back of their baseball card says they should be able to play to, and now they're achieving that. It, 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 Robbie has made a couple of moves that I really like, and I'm not sure that Girardi would have made, but I'm telling you when I say a couple, I actually mean two. I don't know about you, but when I say a couple, it can be anywhere upwards of four or five. I no, have that's a, very, a few. <laughs> yeah, I say couple. I've a always cu- said couple. You know what it goes back Jody, to? Jody, you, you and your wife are married, right? That makes yes. you a couple. There you go. I understand that, but when I was... Here as I know, there's not a third person in that marriage. When I was, let's say, prior to the age of 18, when my mother would <laughs> ask me... You that one, did you? Uh, no, I moved right on. <laughs> uh, prior to the age of 18, when my mother would ask me, uh, I, I, I could tell you had some beer. How many did you have? Well, I had a couple. Well, a couple could be upwards of six, but that's how I would define couple is... <laughs> It's a relative number more than one, but uh, the upside uh, of it is debatable. Okay. Right. Uh, so I, I would I, say... Fucking Wagnalls, I wouldn't argue this with you. Yeah, I, I might be taking dictionary <laughs> liberties there. Uh, yeah. Here's uh, my definition of a couple of Robbie Anderson. Like two. There might be two decisions over the last eight games that Robbie Thompson made that I don't think Joe Girardi would have made. So that's two and eight games. They won all eight of those games. Well, what the hell else has changed? The energy... The, the mojo, the feel in the clubhouse, the emotion that the team's playing with, and that can come from just the change into itself, that you know that you cost the guy his job, you know that now the attention is going to be turned to you, players who haven't been doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they've risen to the challenge, and they've gotten the job done and gotten back to the level they're supposed to be playing at, and lo and behold, we got an eight-game winning streak. All right, I'll... I'll um probably agree with you and we'll get into those couple of moves coming up because you're right there's nothing revolutionary he didn't he didn't bench three superstars and say from now on these guys are playing um but they have gotten that momentum and there was an interesting quote they had yesterday i'm trying to remember what the situation was but there was um arizona missed the opportunity for an oh early on ketel Marte muffed an ending ender yep. uh, double play ground ball from i think it was from Stubbs. And so then Schwarber comes up and he hits that bomb, which is, I think, the home run that we just heard, right? Um, and Thompson had a quote after the game. He said, that's what happens when you're going good. When you're not going good, the next guy pops out, and then a strikeout, and you're out of the inning, but we're taking advantage of those situations for sure early. Harper on Thursday, this is before they beat Corbin Burns, and boy, that was they worked him. That was a good game, uh, said... As I told my buddy, it's just a different vibe now. We're playing our asses off. It is what it is, you know? Okay. I always hate it is what it is. Um, but is it a different vibe because they're winning, or is are they winning because it's a different vibe? Did Joe Girardi firing set things on the right path, or is Rob Thompson the, the reason for all this turnaround? 
and Harper had another quote that said, we needed to get going. Everybody knew that. It's just a different vibe. I think we're just playing good ball right now. And they talked about the vibe and the vibe and the vibe. Yep. And this is one of the things that I have, I've always disagreed with the argument that a manager wins or loses no more than five games a season. And that may be when it comes to putting in the defensive replacement at the right time or juggling his batting order or knowing when to pull his starter and all of that may translate to five games a season. But the one manager I got to know when he was here was, was Charlie Manuel. We did a show with Charlie and I got to hang around with Charlie and you know, Jody, Charlie was not the greatest strategic manager in the history of baseball. When he first came to the national league, he, he was not, he couldn't really even do the double switch. He was not good at explaining himself to fans and media. He got, you remember, he got tagged with the nickname Elmer Befuddled. And, and I was one of those people who early on just didn't believe in this guy and see it. But here's what Charlie knew to do. And this is, this is something that I really learned from watching him is so important. Uh, and you having been around baseball your whole life, I'm sure you see this. He created a loose, fun, but driven clubhouse where what became a team of stars never rebelled, never clashed, never lost its energy, always played hard to win, never griped about playing time. I don't know Rob Thompson. You know him better than I do. Um, later in the show, we're going to have uh, John Heyman on, who knows Rob Thompson well from New York. Yep. And to me, making the switch brought an, certainly brought an immediate energy to the team, but from what I hear, you know, from what Harper says, from from what Schwarber says, it loosened him up immediately. And that's what a manager can do. Um, Harper didn't use the term loosened him up. Um, and well, he said it if, created a different vibe. Vibe, right. Okay. Yeah, which you can take several different ways. I don't care. All I care about is the vibe. Why the vibe is working? I don't know. Uh, I've talked to players over the years that have said after a manager got fired, yeah, it really made us look in the mirror. It made us feel bad. We cost the guy his job. Sometimes you have that one in a clubhouse. Sometimes a guy gets fired and they throw a party behind closed doors and everybody celebrates the fact that the Wicked Witch is dead. I don't believe that was the case with Joe Girardi, but I don't know how much of this is that they actually felt bad, uh, that they helped to get the guy uh, run off his, uh, out of his position, out of his office, and uh, lose his job. But there might be some of that as well. I just care about the results. And the results are the vibe is adjusted and the vibe is better and they are uh, playing with energy that I've not seen them play with. You're right. It's kind of a chicken and egg type thing. Which comes first? Does the good vibe bring the winning or does the winning bring the good vibe? Sometimes they go hand in hand right. and sure. uh, you don't know which one comes first. I'm okay with it either way, Glenn. I, I, I'm not going to drive myself crazy trying to uh, analyze it one way or the other or ask each individual player why they picked it up over the last eight days. I'm just going to enjoy the vibe and he ain't no uh, winning streak. By the way, uh, he, um, he is chasing a record now, is Rob Thompson. The best, the all-time best start for a manager, Boston Red Sox Joe Morgan. When he took over in 1988 for John McNamara, started at 12th. 12-0. Nice start. 
you got a ways to go, but still something to dream about. So you talk about the, you know, he's made a few changes. By the way, for our, our millennial listeners, yeah, uh, not the Joe <laughs> Morgan, who was the superstar second right. baseman, former Philly, as a matter of fact, remember the Wee's kids. Uh, no, this was a completely different Joe Morgan who started his managerial career 12-0. and 0. Is this the Joe Morgan that pulled Pedro out of a game that he never should have pulled him out of <sighs> against the Yankees, right? Wasn't that him? I believe so, yes. The Brett Boone home run game? Not uh, John McNamara in 1986. Uh, who? Uh, no, no, no. That was another screw Mets up. win the World Series. <laughs> uh, the Red Sox have had a couple of those uh, guys. Oh, God, yes. Okay. Before Boston started winning championships every single year. Well, when By the got, way, they're getting the duck they, boats ready for the Celtics again. Uh, except for last night when the Celtics yeah. couldn't buy a basket in the last two minutes. Uh, all the Red Sox had to do was hire Joe McDonald to be a scout for them. And then they ripped off all, the, all those World Series in a row. Um, okay, so let me uh, let's take a look here. Uh, the changes you talk about any changes he has made. One is he's playing Bryson Stott. Now you can argue he's playing Bryson Stott because he has to out of necessity. He, out of necessity, right? But Stott is doing pretty well. Nine for twenty-six with three home runs and nine RBIs in May. He got all forty-three at bats. Not sure we give the manager credit for that, but nonetheless worked out well. And if I were to, as I was just discussing, the reason behind the improved play, if you go to each individual player and put them on a uh, lie detector, why have you improved your game? I would bet Bryson Stott is one of those guys who actually felt really bad that Joe Girardi got fired. Because he's a youngster. He's never been through it before. Chances are he's never had a manager removed in a season when he's been managing. And he knows, he looks at the stat sheet and sees he's hitting 175 and goes damn, I contributed to this guy losing his job. He might be one of the guys, the, the grizzled veterans who've been a, been in it before, been in the big leagues five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. They've been through it, and they know it's part of the game, and it's a business and everything else. Young guy like Bryson Stott might just have been motivated by the fact that he contributed to getting his manager fired. Maybe. Could be. I don't see a whole lot of difference in handling the bullpen, uh, right? We're still living and dying with Kniebel as a closer. Yeah. Hasn't made night, that change yet? After Kniebel struggled in the last game, loaded the bases with walks, they get the last out, but made everybody remember Mitch Williams. He comes right back with him again last night. So, yeah, uh, yeah that, that that's what Girardi had done. He stuck with Kniebel. There was no thought or mentioning of someone else closing games from the Phillies clubhouse. And the new manager did it exactly the same way the old manager did. Yeah, my sense on that is... You know, they paid Kniebel to come in and be the closer. The new manager comes in. He's not ready to rock that boat yet, right? That's that's my sense on that. If it continues to be problematic, maybe he'll do it, but he is not in a rush to do it. Here's the other piece of the puzzle that you need to know, and I don't know, and I don't know that anyone outside the Philly circle knows. Sir Anthony Dominguez has been their best reliever. Last night, Brad Hand, who was used in the same exact role mm -hmm. that Girardi used them, last night couldn't get anybody out. He right. made the game exciting. Phillies had a big lead. Uh-oh, all of a sudden it's a one-run game because Brad Hand struggled. He had been th th statistically one of their better relievers, didn't get the job done last night, stuck by it. The best reliever they have is Sir Anthony Dominguez, has been since the beginning of the season, continues to be. But Girardi used him very protectively that they wouldn't push him. I remember this specific game where uh, they wouldn't bring him in because he pitched two days over the weekend. 
they didn't play Monday, and he didn't want to bring him in on a Tuesday because uh, he wasn't, quote-unquote, wasn't available. Well, why wasn't he available? I don't know how they're still treating the fact that he's coming off Tommy John. We're pretty well removed from it, but it seems that they have certain limitations on him. Uh, he's the only guy I would turn to other than Knievel, and I don't know that we have the answer exactly where they think Sir Anthony is in his ability to pitch uh, significant uh, numbers of innings, yeah. days in a row and the like. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen him go longer, but I understand that. And the hero of the month is a guy who got off, well, he got off to a great start, I guess, at home run the first pitch of the year, but had not been playing all that well until recently. Kyle Schwarber, who got his 16th home run of the year yesterday, I think he's second in the league in home runs now, uh, and really uh, looking like a valuable pickup. Yes, and he's, uh, I told you last week we did this on my night show here on WIP. We came up with a nickname for the Phillies before the season started, the Broad Street Boomsticks, uh, because I thought they had a chance to hit uh, 220 home runs as a team, which would be the all-time Phillies record for a season. Well, I was banking on Schwarber hitting 40. And it wasn't looking like Schwarber was going to be a 40-home run guy. Now, all of a sudden, he does look like a 40-home run guy. And guys like Bohm and Stodd, who were not hitting home runs, who came up huge the other night with the two home runs late in the game to lift them from the come-behind victory. That's what you have to have if you're going to have a season where you're going to set an all-time team home run records. The non-Harper, Schwarber, Castellano guys also have to kick in. And a couple of guys did that in the midst of this eight-game winning streak. Jody, 10 days ago, I had no idea what we were going to do to get through the summer, uh, both in terms of radio and in terms of what am I going to watch every night. Sports is going to be dead, right? NHL, NBA playoffs are going to be over. Not going to be any football until September. Hey, I'm, I am totally back. Rob Thompson is the, uh, makes the Mount Rushmore of the greatest managers in history of baseball. <laughs> I, I'm entirely sold, Jody Mack. All right, let me throw one more number on you from last night's Philly game that I uh -huh. mean means a lot to me. Thirty-seven thousand four hundred and twenty-three. Yeah, yeah, that was last night's attendance. It is the third largest uh, uh, attendance for the season, falling only behind the first two days, opening day and the day thereafter. They did forty thousand in both of those games against the A's. The Diamondbacks aren't a draw. They're not a very good team. They don't have any recognizable superstars. Why would you get your third largest crowd of the year? How about a seven-game winning streak? That will do it for you. That's the key. Uh, the famous line from Field of Dreams, build that they will come. Here in Philadelphia, it's win and they will come. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Some people get on Philly. Oh, they don't come out. They don't support the team. Oh, no. You win, they'll support the hell out of you. But if you don't win, they're not going to show up out of blind loyalty. We have a good discerning fan base in this town that understands what winning and losing is and the way that you play and everything else. Uh, so I was actually uh, pretty excited to see that they had the third biggest crowd of the night because, yes, when Philly puts out a winner, Philly will support it to the nines. They did so last night, and I expect an even bigger crowd tonight. It's going to be a good summer. Uh, two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Let's talk, to Chris in Newark. Hey, Chris, how are you? Mac to Mac. What a great idea! Fantastic. Thank, Thank you. Man. So, um, there's a couple. Yeah, it's been great. It's been fantastic. I love it. Baseball is my heart sport. I want it so bad. But there's a couple things that I needed to, to see to let you know that this team is different, especially under the new management. Uh, and I think they checked off one earlier in the week after the. Um, after the, the last game against the Brewers, uh, Joe Giglio came on and said, uh, I didn't expect us to win today, and I would have been fine with it. 
And I'm going, no, no, no. They needed to sweep that game. That way they don't go into the home game, the home stand, stand up. three games under, only one game under. Now they're back to 500. Okay, that's, that's one of the boxes. The next box is the upcoming schedule. And, you know, every year we say, okay, after this, the schedule's going to get easy. And what happens every year? Oh, are you going down to Florida Marlin Road? That they're up next, and they have been a significant thorn in the side of the Philadelphia Phillies. You are correct about that. And and all you know, all the other teams are coming up, you know, with with the break in the schedule. And you heard a couple of the players say that. Bryce said, "We have you know, the schedule gets easier from here on out." And uh, you know, they say that every year. What I wanted to say is what he said the other day was, "These are all major league teams, and we need to step up and beat them because." You know, to be back to 500 now and not to July, I think, is huge. It's, it's so much more of a springboard. Mm-hmm. So to be able to get back to 500 last night and take off from here, that's what I want to see now. If they go back into the doldrums and start you know, going 500 or sub-500 against these you know, lesser teams, well, that means we're a lesser team. So, yeah, this is, this is great, but I want to see it over the next week or so. I hear you. Uh, Jody, I, I do have to break it to the fans, and I don't mean the one to say it, but they probably will not win every game between now and the end of the year. I, you know, I mean, I like to think they will, but maybe not. They have, to his point, not played particularly well against bad teams over the years. Part of that is they haven't been a good team. I mean, they're, they've struggled to be 500. Over the last three years, Corey Seidman put this in his uh, Story NBC Sports website last night. Over the last three years, the Phillies are 18 games above 500 against teams with losing records. That's not very good. The Braves are 35 games above 500 against teams with losing records. You got to beat those teams. They they have a history of not doing so. And one stands out like a sore thumb over all the others, and yeah. that's the Miami Marlins, who yeah. just so happened to come to town next after we finish up this weekend season against the uh, the Diamondbacks. And, oh, by the way, they've only played the Marlins one series so far. That was back in the first month in April. And they went down to Florida and lost three out of four. So, uh, yes, they, they have to. I don't know if it's a bugaboo. I don't know if it's karma. I don't know what the deal is. Did we ever do anything to the city of Miami? I don't remember. But uh, other than uh, beat the Dolphins a couple of times, they have to be able to beat the Miami Marlins. They've got some good young starting pitching. Uh, one guy, Lizardo, is hurt, which I think kind of handicaps them a little bit. Um, but, yeah, you got to win two out of three this week. I know that he just said, Joe Giglio said, oh, I didn't expect them to win the Milwaukee game. Well, when I was on the air Monday night, I said, just win series. I know they had the winning streak going. It would be great if they win all the games against Milwaukee. Oh, they did. I didn't necessarily. I was with Joe on that one. I didn't know that that was going to happen. Just make sure you win every single series. Well, they already got a sweep in Milwaukee. Now they've got the first one here. They only got to get one of the next two to win the series. Uh, again, you, you are correct when you say if you think uh, that Rob Thompson is going undefeated the rest of the year, it, let's, let's slow the roll a little bit. Um, just win series, and sure enough, you'll continue to move up on the Atlantas and the Mets in, in the division. Yeah, it seems like the Marlins have been spanking him since the days of Jeff Conine, right? Remember uh, that? An ex-Marlin who came here and uh, still found a way to beat him. Went back, to, I believe, went back to Florida afterwards and still found a way to help out to beat the Phillies. Yeah, including when he played for the Phillies. 215-592-9494. we got a lot of good stuff coming up. We do believe we're going to have John Heyman, although I just got a note from him. 
may or may, or may not happen. One of the insider calls presented by BetQL. BetQL is here to help us make better bets through real proven analytics. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. We're also going to talk to our pal, Anthony Sanfilippo. Let's be honest, Jody. He got his start with us as a producer. He owes everything to us. All success. (laughs) Uh, Is doing a great series um, on the 50 greatest calls in Philly's history, which he's been posting 10 a day, and they're just fantastic. So we're going to go over some of those with uh, him and have a good time. We'll talk some Eagles coming up next. Couple of really pertinent issues involving the head coach and OTAs, and yeah, we want to take your calls. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Jody McDonald and Glenn Mack. Now it is ninety four WIP. Uh, hey, are you tired of dealing with your old drafty windows and doors in your house? Maybe it's time you finally go Guida. Great people at Guida Door and Window will help you uh, help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door or window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off, and you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. Buy an entry door, get half off a storm door. Buy a patio door, get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, you save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guida is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest financing for up to 18 months. Act Now offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is their to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. By the way, we will be talking about Doc Rivers later in the show today, but nothing to do with his performance as a Sixers coach, more his performance in a movie. Both Jody Mack and I took the time this week to watch Hustle, the new Adam Sandler film on Netflix. We will be reviewing it in the 11 o'clock hour for our What, we watch, what We're Watching segment. And Jody, i got to tell you, I like that last week we watched the same show, um, Lincoln Lawyer, and reviewed it, and now we watch the same movie. We could get a little Siskel Ebert action going here, Jody. I am perfectly fine with that, but I got one issue. Uh, and again, we don't want to jump ahead. But no, no, yeah, I don't want to review it yet. But I, I, I'm not going to talk about that. But as far as you and I watching the same thing at a future date to review, we may have one problem. What's that? I watched the first segment of Severance. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, my God. I, I felt like turning it off five minutes in, no, 10 stick minutes with it. in, 15 minutes in. I know. I made it through the first seg- the first episode, but yeah. I'm really not motivated to go back for a second. Watch three. Commit to three episodes, and if you can't take it after three episodes, bail. Okay. It, it, it really – my wife felt the same way. And then she stuck with it, and she ended up really liking it. So okay. Right. It's, the first, it's, the first it's episode weird. was a tough watch. I know. I get it. I get it. I get it. But ha- try to hang with it. Okay. By the way, uh, our pal Ray Dinger has a book signing today at the Barnes & Noble in Broomall, Lawrence Park Shopping Center from 1 to 3. So uh, I don't get to see Ray these days, but you can if you go see him <laughs> at the Barnes & Noble in Broomall. All right, I want to bring the Eagles in here. We'll grab, I see some people. Uh, you know what? Let me take one more Phil's phone call, then I'll throw the Eagles in, and then we will uh, talk about that. Uh, Mike and Yardley, you want to talk about Joe Girardi. What's oh, yeah. Name? Thanks a lot for letting me get on, Glenn. Sure. And Jody, I used to listen to Mac and Mac all the time, but I don't think I've ever got a chance to talk to you. But I will say one of my favorite things on sports talk radio is to listen to you two guys talk baseball. It is, uh, it's really refreshing, and two weeks ago, Glenn, I thought you jumped off the bandwagon. You know, I did. The Phillies? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you I sure did. did. Yeah, they were nine games below 500. Hey, sure I did. justification, but, you know, some of us didn't jump off, and, you know, the last two weeks has just been spectacular. Now, I generally listen to them on the radio, but I got really lucky in the last week, I listen to about the eighth inning, and then I turn on to watch the last two innings of the game, and that has turned out to be a charm. Man, I've seen some great eighth and ninth innings you know, last week. It's yeah. been wonderful. Mm-hmm. But I really think that um, the old saw about a team um, taking on the personality of its manager is what was killing this team. They were taking on Girardi's personality, and mm-hmm. it was so flat and uninspiring, they just couldn't get going. And once he was out of the picture, you saw what happened. And, you know, and I don't think it's managerial decisions by uh, Thompson. They're just playing the way we, you and me, Glenn, thought that they might at the beginning of the season. And they had been really disappointing, but, man, 
And you know the other thing they is had the been de- they had been they had been flat they had been dead they had been unenergetic yep. they had been uninspired they needed a spark and that's what a new manager can do. And the Hope young players, mm-hmm. the young players are really showing us something, and nobody thought that their farm system was going to give them anything. And you know they're producing. That, that's really good sign. If you Jody, me. what do you think of Bryson Stott as a prospect as a major league player? Um, Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Yeah, he great. was a top-flight prospect who won a job in spring trade. Remember, we're not that far removed. I, I'm sure you guys talked about it on the weekend, you and Ray. The whole conversation, Bryson Stott is going to be the Philly starting third baseman. That he had outperformed Bohm in spring training, and Bohm was struggling mightily, and mm-hmm. this kid earned a job on the team, and he got Segura at short and D, uh, Segura at second. D, D, where is Stock going to play? Oh, he's going to play third base, and he started a couple of games down in spring training at third base. Well, the season gets underway. Stott's hitting a buck 45. Bohm's actually hitting, and the entire uh, thing changes, and oh, not shockingly, Didi gets hurt again, which he does a lot, so Stott ends up staying in the lineup, but now at shortstop, his natural position, I thought he was here to stay. And uh, when he hit a buck 45, not through 10 at-bats, not through 20 at-bats, through almost 50 at-bats, you go, "Uh uh-oh, they rushed him. He's just not ready. doesn't mean that he's not the prospect that they thought he was, but they overestimated what he did in spring training. He needs to go back down. Well, he goes back down, there for a couple of days. By necessity, he's called back up to the big leagues. And, yeah, he seems to be a guy who has changed uh, and picked it up more than anybody else, and it was an unknown. Because we didn't know what Bryson Stott. We know. We think we know what Kyle Schwarber should be. We think we know what sure. Nick Castellanos should be. We didn't know what uh, Bryson Stott could be or would be, and he's picked it up uh, greatly since the managerial change. It would be so nice if they have a guy they develop as an everyday player who's a you know, I'm not saying a superstar, but a guy who can play a 10 year career, make a couple All Star games. Right? They have not. They, that that's what Bohm was supposed to be. Yep. And it's a stretch to say he's going to be that now. I'm racking my brain to think of the last position player they developed who was a good, you know, a, a, a very good to excellent everyday player. I mean, are we going back to, to the Rollins and the Utleys yeah, and those guys? Yeah, I think we are. There, there hasn't been one in between. That's a dry spell. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that's what we're talking about, going back to the world championship team. Wow. Okay. Uh, I said we we're going to throw the Phillies in, so let us let us do that, and I want to do it this way. Uh, the If you blinked this week, you missed the Eagles OTAs. Eagles is what I meant. If you missed this week, you missed the Eagles OTAs. Uh, they've cut back a lot under the collective bargaining agreement, and Nick has cut back even more than that. The league allows 10. The Eagles did six. The players may like it. Uh, I think the front office thinks that because they stayed healthier last year, this is a real key, and they did. They stayed healthy last year, and that's great. I don't know how much it's because of this, how much because of luck, how much because they changed the medical staff. But, Jody, I, I'm not crazy about it. I heard our pal John Ritchie rant and rave about this yesterday, and I kind of agree with him that I realize this isn't the season. It isn't even the preseason. This is June. But I do buy into you need to play. You need to prep. You need to get ready. You need to get tough. Um they did start two and five last year. You can say it's because of a new coach and they had a lot to learn, but it took them a long time. What was that that Lions game? I guess that they finally got on the roll. Yep. I, I am not crazy about the fact that everybody just kind of came in, shook hands, and checked out and went home. 
Yeah, they. Uh, I think it said ten. It's actually it's thirteen sessions. Thirteen you can have max? upwards no. of thirteen maximum sessions. They didn't do and that. They didn't do half that. Six, which is less than half. Correct. And oh, by the way, um, for this past week, uh, they they increased the amount of time that you could spend each day on the field, and it got upwards in the uh, second half of the weeks to two hours. You could put two hours in. The Eagles never got to an hour. Uh, so they had less sessions and less time within those sessions. Less is more is the Eagles' mantra this off season, and I think it came from last year. And I was woefully wrong last year, or at least I believe I was. Uh, if you believe this is all sports science and medically dominated, that that's why they're doing this, and they saw the number of games injured that they have, and uh, they did it last year. They were one of the lesser working teams this year. For me, they are their last. They're the thirty-second working team out of thirty-two teams in the league. They did more less during any of the uh, time that they had together as a team than anybody in the National Football League. Only Cincinnati is close. Now, Cincinnati made the Super Bowl. So maybe they've earned that. The Eagles made the playoffs but didn't quite get close to the Super Bowl. I I thought last year was because they wanted to get – I'll use a wrestling term for you that you might not understand, Mac Man. Uh, they wanted to get uh, Nick Sirianni over. They wanted him popular in that locker room. He was replacing a Super Bowl-winning coach. Nobody knew who he was. He had the kind of – bumbling, stumbling, introductory press conference. I thought that's why they went as light last offseason as they did, and I thought it actually worked because it seemed like everybody liked Sirianni. All the players liked him. All the players were quoting him. So I said, all right, this may be a strategy that actually plays out well. I now believe, looking back, that it was the same exact motivation last year. Less is more. No injuries. We'll, we'll, we'll get the time in by the classroom, by film study, when, rather than actually doing it on the film. I, I don't know if it's going to work or not. Mm. Uh, they've got some new guys on this team, Glenn. It isn't mm -hmm. like they're bringing the running it back with the exact same unit. They made some changes. A.J. Brown, Reddick, uh, 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 Bradbury, Kazir White, Jordan Davis. I think that... Uh, see, I've been a guy who's jumping on the Nicobe Dean bandwagon. I loved him. I thought he should have been a first-round pick. Mm -hmm. And I think by midseason, he'll be on the field more than any other Eagle linebacker. I was hoping that was going to be day one. It's not going to be with this offseason work they're doing or not doing because he's just not going to get enough field time to prove that he can be an every-down linebacker in this league from jump. Yeah, I, um, I don't like it. Um, and, and I understand – I heard Dick Vermeil on earlier today with Howard. I love Dick Vermeil. He's going in the Hall of Fame. We are never going to get back to the three-a-days in the hot sun <laughs> under Dick Vermeil. Don't want to. Don't want to see another Corey Stringer. I get it. Um, but last year's prep wasn't good. Um, they got lucky because after the bad start, schedule worked to their advantage. They kind of got it together. But to me, this this is one step away from kind of saying, okay, well, we'll use the beginning part of the season to get our act together, and by the end of the season, we'll be good. And I don't think that's a successful strategy. This season roster, it looks good. I think they have the opportunity to win the division. I, you know, I'm not going to pick them to get to the Super Bowl, but I think they can be better. But if they're not fully prepared, they're not going to be ready. And if your focus right now is omitting practice, that's our big thing. We're not going to get on the field. We're not going to practice. You're taking out some of the toughness. Again, I, I, John Ritchie said it more genuinely than I can because he, he played it. He lived it. 
But the bottom line is you want the Eagles to be one of the tougher teams in the league. This is not the way to do it. Um, I want the players all in. I want Fletcher Cox all in as, the po- as opposed to just showing up the last day of, man- of, excuse me, of voluntary practice. That doesn't work for me. And what even adds to it is, at least judging by last year, and I assume it will be exactly the same, oh, they protected the veterans in the preseason games too. Jalen yeah, Hurts didn't play. Right, right. Uh, so, and and he's not even a veteran. He was still a wet behind the ears kid going into last season. So, if you're going to do that, and there's more reason to do that because you're playing against an opponent that's actually trying to make plays and is going to be physical and hit you and potentially cause injuries. If you're going to do that, then you would think you'd want to get more work in when you're just going against yourselves in practice where you can control how much hitting actually goes on. No, the Eagles are dug- doubling down on less is more. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Let's get uh, John and Manny Young. You're on with uh, I almost Glenn, say you Ray. Today, buddy? Jody and Glenn. Hey, John. How are you? Good. Good. I was just calling. I'm glad you're going to talk about hustle. I am not really an Adam Sandler fan at all, but I thought the movie was excellent, especially all the scenes over here in Manny Young. I'm sure you'll talk about it next hour. We, we are going to talk about it, and it is. I would argue since Rocky, the movie that shows the most of Philadelphia. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, if you live over in Maniac, man, you, <laughs> you you saw your whole neighborhood, didn't you? Pretty much, yeah. walk those steps all the time. But uh, you know, the Eagles, real quick, you're talking about the roster, and I'm a, I'm kind of excited. I think they have a they're pretty well stocked up in every position. But the one uh, I don't get your guys' response, I'm concerned with is safety. Uh, Harris and Epps, you think that's the way to go for the year? Or they have something up their sleeves. Mac, man, I I kind of believe that this is it. Yeah, I check the and I go back and double check like anything's changed the last two weeks. So there's still veteran free agent safeties that are out there. There's no James Bradbury. They did a great job in adding an above average cornerback when they needed to when he became available. And I guess there is the possibility that someone else shakes loose. But we went past the June 1st deadline, which is supposed to be the second wave of free agency. And nobody shook loose. They changed the rules a little bit. So June 1st doesn't mean what it used to mean. I think they're going with what they have. Uh, if they make a change, Glenn, it's not going to come down until the last week of preseason. Right. There may somebody be somebody cut, cut yeah. that they bring in and then try and get up to speed. I don't know how they're going to get them up to speed because they don't really practice much. Uh, but you get my drift. Uh, that's the first time they're going to be able to add to the safety position. Yeah, and, and trying to squeeze one more good year out of Anthony Harris is one of the bigger questions they got there. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Can I go on to the Phillies real quick, all right? Sure. Sure. I mean, Glenn, sorry. <laughs> I said very good. Uh, uh, the road fielder, he only has three home runs. Do you think there's something up with him, or does he get hot later in the year? Solstano? Joe? I think his, uh, he, he's not he's not Schwarber. And if you thought he was going to be Schwarber, I mentioned earlier I counted Schwarber in for potential 40 home runs this year. I put Castellanos down for 25 to 30, and you're right, he's not on pace to do that, but um, I, I still think he's going to hit 20. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a better contact hitter than Schwarber is. I think he's got uh, a hot streak left in him. I'm okay with where Castellanos is at right now. By the way, how many home runs did you say he's got now? Three. No, he's got seven. Yeah. He's got seven? He's oh, got okay. seven, which is not oh, great, okay. but it's not hideous. That puts him on pace for the 20, 20, Jody said. Yeah. Um, yeah, where he's not, what he's not doing, which he has done in the past, is, well, actually, he is hitting doubles. He, yeah, he's, he's got averaged, 13 doubles. Yeah, he's got 13 doubles, which isn't horrible. 
Yeah, so if you look at where he is now, I mean, the batting average is 250, which isn't glossy, but it's not awful. He's on pace for almost 40 doubles and 20 home runs. It's not, it's not hideous. I think he will get hot. I do believe in the in the old axiom that guys tend to, you know, you look at the back of the baseball card, and that's what they'll do at the end of the year, and that's what I imagine he'll do at the end of the year. 215-592-9494, Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now. All right, so let me uh, let me give you the guest list and tell you what's going on. Uh, coming up at 11, little little switch because of uh, availability. At 11, we're going to do what we're watching. We will give you our review of Hustle. At 11.25, we'll talk to John Heyman, national baseball writer. And at noon, Anthony Sanfilippo, who's got a great project going on the 50 greatest calls in Philadelphia Phillies history, which has really been fun. Uh, he's Jody McDonald. I am Glenn Mack now. On 94 WIP. And it's time for me to find the read (laughs) that I got to do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And here it is. Hello. Before you head out on that summer road trip, which I bet you're all doing this weekend or next weekend, head into United Tire. Get those tires checked and save big all summer long with great deals on BF Goodrich and Michelin. It's the perfect time to save on safety and to get your vehicle ready for the fun summer adventures with the family. Start your summer off right and make sure those tires are ready for drives down the shore before those summer road trips are in your rearview mirror. Get the United Tire. Remember, don't drive alone. Drive United. All right, tonight, what is it, 6.44 p.m., race 11 at Belmont Park in Elmont, New York, comes the third leg of the Triple Crown, the Belmont. Um, Jordy Mack, I don't, I don't know how much people are excited about this. You, uh, you Clearly, you, you haven't had a chance for a Triple Crown since after the first race when um, Rich Strike decided, owners decided it was not going to run in the Preakness, but nonetheless... People will watch. People will bet. You are good at this kind of thing. Let's get your view. A couple of things. Um, They will cap the attendance today at Belmont. They did it a couple of years ago. Um, I was there the year that Smarty Jones went for the Triple Crown, and man, did Philly represent. A whole bunch of Philadelphia people came up, uh, and there was well over 100,000 people. Uh, they they don't want to do that at Belmont anymore. They thought My son went to that one. He said he, was, was he there too? Oh, he said it was, he said it was like 110,000 people or something. Correct. It was crazy. And they're just uh, as big as Belmont is, and it's huge. There's not enough uh, uh, space and or tellers because people go to bed. They just couldn't handle that big a crowd. So they've capped it now. They they won't have 100,000 uh, people there this year. Not that I think this year's uh, Belmont Stakes with eight uh, horses in it would be as big a draw as it was with Smarty Jones. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll get their 60,000, which is what they'll cap it at. So they'll they'll sell it out. Uh, but it won't be the 100,000. It's a solid race. It's a good race. It's not a great race. You mentioned Rich Strike coming back, the 80-1 to 1 winner of the uh, Kentucky Derby as a surprise. Oh, what a, that was one of the more fun races I ever watched. 
it wasn't for me because I didn't have Rich Strike. And oh, well. <laughs> if you're if you're a player, the only yeah, thing was, you're rooting for no. is the money that you put mm, down. Entertainment purposes only. <laughs> right, and I had uh, the horses that, of course, ran second, third, and fourth. Uh, so I handicapped the race, okay, uh, but I did not see the eighty to one shot coming up the rail and passing them all. And more power to him. And he is the third choice as of right now. The early money, um, there's probably about five percent of what the eventual pool will be when they open up the gates. Uh, they allow you to bet a day in advance. I was up at parks yesterday. Had a good day. Thank you very much. Those who were up there with me did well, too. We've got money to play with on today's Belmont Stakes because of it. Um, uh, th- about 5% is bet the day before, and Rich Strike is right now the third choice. The favorite is Todd Pletcher's Philly, Nest, who is going against the boys. Uh, Todd Pletcher, 13, 14 years ago, did win the Belmont Stakes with rags to riches of Philly. So it's been done before. Uh, but I'm not sure that this Philly is up to the task. So if the odds stayed the way they are, I'll be perfectly fine with that because I don't think Ness is going to finish in the top three. It's a good race. It's a solid race. The horse I like is not being bet in the early betting. With Again, I'm perfectly fine with mm-hmm. um, the horse on the rail, We the People won the Peter Pan Stakes, which is held at Belmont uh, a month ago, uh, opened up a 14-link lead, ended up winning by 10, is the lone speed in this race. People mistakenly think, because the race is a mile and a half, it's the longest of the three Triple Crown races, that, ooh, that sets it up for the closers, the horses that are coming off the pace, the late runners. That's not the case, Glenn. They, they, they go out and they don't run very fast early because everyone's afraid of running out of gas. So you can actually win the Belmont Stakes on the front end. And I think that's what's going to happen today with We the People. Drew the Rail is the lone speed in the race. I think it'll go out and jog the first mile and it will have a big enough lead that will have enough left in the tank and win the Belmont Stakes wire to wire. All right, come on. Give me the close. What's the cost? Ah, oh, Jody, all those years together. I hope you're cashing them, not trashing them. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were going there. My bad. Oh, I put it up on Twitter all the time whenever Need I put it. my picks out. Yes. I will do so again uh, today. Hope you're cashing them, not trashing them. There you go. All right, let's get Jack in Santa Barbara. Hey, dude, how are you today? Hey, you guys just sound like a couple of guys uh, playing racing form. <laughs> well, only, only one well, of the two one, knows one what he's two, doing. Yes. Yeah. No, no, you're a couple. <laughs> it's the theme, right? There you go. Hey, Jody, good to hear you, buddy. You got it, pal. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about the rebounds from Wiggins last night and Oof. throw it at you like, who could the Sixers uh, wrangle to do that dirty work this summer and bring them in? What, what do you think about that, Jody? I'm a I'm a Wiggins guy. You know, I was hoping the Sixers got know, Wiggins way back when, when they didn't get the first pick in the draft. Ended up with Joel Embiid, so they did quite fine. Thank you very much. Uh, but I he thought Wiggins rebounds once in a while. Yeah, yeah, he's a pretty good rebounder. Um, that's not Wiggins' game. He stepped it up last night and was phenomenal off the boards. Uh, they they need a guy better than Wiggins to rebound for him next year. I'd take the 20-plus points he can give you, too, um, but I, I, I don't know that the Sixers will make that a priority, just getting a rebounding guy. No, no, he's, his game's evolving, Jody. Yep. I, I, I met someone that can play both ends of the court. Yeah, yeah. 
and Wiggins yeah. played pretty good defense last night, too. The Celtics went uh, real dry late in the game, couldn't buy a bucket, and that's why uh, Golden State won the game. And Glenn's funny because on my national show, everyone told run, Jack. Celtics yeah. are more physical. That's why they're winning this game because they're the more physical team. No, they weren't. They were the be- when they won the two games they won in the series. They were just the better team. They mm-hmm. made more shots. They were more athletic. Last night's game was really physical. Both teams were playing physical, and in a very physical game, the Warriors won. So it's not physicality. I think it's uh, talent, and the talent so far has been uh, two games apiece, which means we're going to have a great last three games to the NBA Finals. All right, coming up, a big time stars made a big time movie in which Philadelphia and the Seventy Sixers are a star. Jody and I will review that. Together for what we're watching right here on 94 WIP. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Look at this We come to Philly, your whole world's gonna change overnight. I gotta work. My mom and my daughter, they mean everything to me. Salary's $900,000. He will call in sick. It's <laughs> Adam Sandler with, oh, Jody, what's the name of the kid who plays for the Jazz? The kid in the movie. Anyway. Um, what do you mean, Bo Cruz? No, yeah, well, Bo Cruz is the character name. I forgot the name of the actual actor who's, who's had it. Juancho Herman Gomez. There you go. That's exactly what I was looking for. And this is what we're watching, sponsored by Got a Door and Window. Buy any window or door and get the second and 50% off, plus interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Call Got a Door and Window today, 1-877-GO-GUIDA, or visit go, G-U-I-D-A dot net. Yes, that was a little blurb. Uh, from Hustle, the new Adam Sandler movie. It dropped earlier this week on Netflix. It's actually doing really well, getting uh, eyes all over the world, but particularly here in Philadelphia because 
It's a real Philadelphia sports movie. It is one of the best Philadelphia sports movies. I actually talked about it a little bit yesterday on Angelo's show, Jody, so I'll let you go first and give your your overall take on this thing. I got a question for you, Mr. Movie Guy, before we even get into the movie. Um, mm. I'm still trying to comprehend the way we now take in movies because it opened in the theater, was in the theater for about a week, not even like five days, and then was available via Netflix. Uh, I guess, uh, and again, I watched it on my 40-inch, 60-inch, whatever size my flat-screen TV is here in my house, um, because it was a a highlight-type film, I guess it would have been cooler on a big screen but I think of that as more computer-generated stuff that you got to go see because your TV can't do justice to it and the like. Why would they go theater release, but then as quickly to Netflix as they did? I think there are just some people who like to go out to the theater and like to go to openings and like to be the first people to see it and go to the okay. theater and do it. I think that it's that simple. And then most people anymore, unless it's a movie like, like Maverick, right, Top Gun, a movie right. like that, you probably gain a lot by seeing it in a theater. Most people, most movies, anyway, you see what's happening to movie theaters. They are empty. They're trying to convert. They're trying to make it, you know, more comfortable and so on. But uh, I, I'll almost always now watch a movie at home, and certainly enjoyed watching this one at home. So, uh, what do you think? As did I. Um, when you and I talked about it last night, I said. Uh, the Philadelphia scenes, I wasn't keeping a running list, but off the top of my head, I would say I recognized 85 to 90 percent. A couple of times I would go, wait, wait a minute. I don't know where that is. Yeah. What neighborhood is that? There was one or two, two or three over the course of the movie that I just didn't know where they were shooting. Most others I did recognize. And it truly is an homage to Philadelphia. There are so many great shots and great scenes from Philly. If you start with that as a premise, if you're a Philly person, and most of the people listening to our show right now are just that, you'll absolutely love it. Then you get to the movie itself. That was damn good, too. If you know I'm a uh, hoop head and a basketball guy, and the drills that they did, the the phrasing that they used was mm-hmm. all on point. They recruited a whole bunch of recognizable Philadelphians, either players and or other personnel to be part of it. Everybody, yeah. Sandler was believable as a basketball guy because I know that he's a basketball guy. Uh, he's a very famous actor and a good actor at that and a tremendous comedian, but he likes to play hoops. He plays all the time. He's, he's a basketball guy. It wasn't like they were stretching for him to do a basketball movie. He was absolutely behind it and a driving force with it, so I give him credit for doing something that he was able to get behind and love. And all in all, it was a damn good movie. I, I, I can't go A+, plus, but I'm going at least A- minus because of all the things. It might not be an A- minus for non-Philadelphians, but if you're any kind of a Philadelphia sports fan, and yes, I believe that's the audience listening right now, it's a must-see. Yeah, it was made for us. It was made for Philadelphia. It was made for sports fans. And so it, it, it filled those – check those boxes. But overall, I, I Jody, I thought it was terrific. Um. It's your basic sports underdog story, right? Both the scout and the player. And we've seen the story in different iterations a thousand times, which doesn't mean it's not a great movie. Um, When Ray and I wrote The Ultimate Book of Sports Movies, the 100 best sports movies of all time, we had basically four criteria we judged. So I'll run these by you and you tell me how it fit, okay? 
it has to have an actual story. It has to have a plot with 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 challenges and surprises and and triumphs and setbacks. A script. I thought it had that right. Absolutely, had a real script. Created goosebumps a couple times. It has to have top flight sports action because a sports movie where people just stand around stops being a compelling sports movie, right? You want sweat and blood and power and so on. You, you like sports action? Oh, uh, that's what might have been for me as mm -hmm. a guy who was a basketball player up until age 19 when I broke my ankle in four places and started my broadcasting career thereafter. <laughs> uh, I did all those drills. I went to those camps. I, I worked in gyms like the ones that they worked in, very recognizable Philadelphia gyms. I didn't work in these gyms because I wasn't here when I was 19 and a basketball player. But I did all of those things. If you are a guy who grew up with hopes of being a college basketball player or uh, the one percenters who could ever make it to the NBA, been there, done that, relived it. It was outstanding. Yeah, and the games were good. I mean, the, the you know, from the playground games to the, the games at the Combine, the basketball action was really good in part because what I'm going to say next, which is you need three-dimensional characters, right? You need you need heroes and, and villains and bums, and this one had it. The The guy who played the owner's son, Ben Foster, was a good villain. Anthony Edwards, man, he was terrific as the, you know, highly touted rookie coming in uh, playing a good villain, and, and you really rooted, certainly, you rooted for this the kid from Mallorca, right? So works on that point. And oh, by the way, again, fits perfectly with Philadelphia in 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 the time we're in, because last week you and I talked about Julian Laurie, who will eventually yes. take over for yes. the, the the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, and that evoked the name of Jay Snyder, who did what he did when he was uh, hands on with the Philadelphia Flyers. Ed never walked away, but Jay had a hand in on uh, the the Flyers when he was uh, the the son thereof. Oh, Vince Merrick was so hateable. The, the owner's son, Robert Duvall's son, was so hateable as the heir apparent to the organization. Yes. I thought he was one of the stars of the movie. Yes, he was. Uh, and it has to, be, has to be realistic. The story has to be realistic to a point, right? I mean, could a kid discovered on a playground in Majorca who'd never played organized basketball become, I'm, I'm assuming, a first-round NBA pick? Unlikely, but it's also unlikely that, you know, a Philadelphia tomato can like Rocky ends up the heavyweight champ. Right. And they sold it. And they sold it enough that you bought it. It had great cameos, Jay Wright and Pat Croce and every every sixer other than Embiid. I kept looking for Embiid. <laughs> uh, I read that he declined because he wanted to focus on training for the season, which, if that's true, is great. I love, uh, I'm going to say the name right, Boban Marjanovic. Boban, big, yes. Yeah, Boban was his usual great, goofy self. I thought Kenny Smith, by the way, was really good as the agent. He can act. Kenny's a bud. I did a show, a uh, full-year show of NBA basketball talk in the satellite world with Kenny Smith, so he's a pal. Um, here's my one knock on Kenny, and I love him. He's a buddy, but yeah. he wasn't swarmy enough. No, he wasn't swarmy. He was likable. Yeah. Agents are supposed to be swarmy. Well, at least, at least give me a little look at swarmy, Kenny. Yeah, well, oh, Glenn. He doesn't work Glenn. for sports, Jody. What can I tell you? Glenn, you know it's not a cliche. You, you well, know I... it's not. Is it overstated? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, oh, but there, there are a whole bunch of swarmy Whatever. agents I, 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 out there. He played, he played it well. And the kid, um, give me his name, Hunter, Haran Gomez. Juancho Haran. Uh, 
Herman Gomez. Herman Gomez. Uh, Hernan Gomez. Hernan Gomez was likable and he had charisma. And I'm not at the biggest Adam Sandler fan. I sometimes I think his movies are good. Sometimes I can't stand him. I thought he was great. I thought he was good. So to me, I would say in my mind, this is the fourth best movie, sports movie ever made in and about Philadelphia. I still Rocky's number one. That's not even that's not a discussion. I put Creed as number two. I thought Creed was great. Michael B. Jordan became a star in that movie. Um it explained the term John. It showed great place around the city. <laughs> I thought Stallone knew how to keep the franchise going by kind of handing it off there. And it had Joe Conklin and Big Daddy, so you know, or at least a sign about them. Uh I have Invincible as the third best. Um and I have this as the fourth best sports movie ever made in Philadelphia. That's a pretty good list. I had a uh, Silver Linings playbook. Yeah, I didn't think of some. I know it was all about the Eagles, but there wasn't as much. Uh, you felt the Philadelphia in Hustle because they got out to so many different locations. And yeah. I know that. I was there. I remember back then. I didn't get that with Silver Linings yeah. playbook. Although so Silver I Linings playbook, you know the diner scene? Yeah. Yeah, that diner's at the end of my street. Oh, really? It's over yes. by your house. It's the Lanark Diner. It's literally, okay. literally down the street. Uh, one right. day I'm, I'm here and I get a note like, Robert De Niro is down the street. Said, what? <laughs> anyway, so I, I really liked it. It's, it's certainly worth seeing. Um, great job, and congratulations to Adam Sandler. Everybody should watch this movie. That's, and that's it did uh, make Sixer fans say, well, what did they do during the offseason? Your uh, anecdote about Joel taking a pass because he was working out. Now maybe some of uh, Sixer fans will go, well, that's why Matthias Steibel went in a tank offensively. Yeah. He didn't work it up on his game all offseason. That's why he couldn't do anything for us offensively in the playoffs. Well, whatever. I liked it. And um, people should watch it. It's it's really good. I gave it, uh, I give it a B plus. Which is which is good. You give it an A minus. Even so. better. I'm at A minus. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, okay. Let's go to Neil in the Northeast. You're on with uh, Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack. Now, what's going on, Neil? Yeah. Hey, so Neil. Ray that. Dinger. Before we go. Okay. Ray Dinger. The last week when you didn't call, told me to tell you. Now, actually, I did call, but um, they had some guests on. I'm and sorry. Then, like, I called that Saturday and. You said they had nothing but guests, so yeah, I actually yeah, I was going to cry call Sunday. But, but. Okay, well, whatever. Just listen to me for a second. Ray wanted me to tell you goodbye, and you're one of his favorite callers. Yeah, well, anyway. you, yeah, you made it for me, um, you and Ray, you know, especially some of your food outings, you know, like, I mean, that was great. Appreciate you know, Seeing John Caney and, and some of the other celebrities, you know, there, that was, that was great. I mean, I love John, you know, and I miss him. A lot, and uh, and uh, even at the Eagles charities, and uh, seeing Ray's play. Um, I mean, Ray was a consummate professional and elegant, and his honesty is unbelievable. You know, like his integrity. Sure. So, what's on your mind today? Um, Well, um, I I wanted you. You were saying about the. OTAs and uh, not using pads and things like that. But I, I, I mean, I, I know what you're saying about the early part of the schedule, but they were two and six. But also the schedule was brutal then. It's a lot easier now. Like they played Detroit, um, Jacksonville, and they got the, you know, with, at Wentz. 
so it's a lot easier schedule. It, like near the end of the schedule, gets maybe a little bit tough, but it's a lot easier uh, you schedule. Know, Jody, and, I would argue that you never know how easy the schedule is going to be. Yeah, and that's one of the toughest things about it. We all have our preconceived notions. We can look back at last year's schedule and go, "Oh, all right, here's the soft part. Here's the hard part." And then you play the next year, and uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are in the Super Bowl. So <laughs> nobody would have called Cincinnati a tough out going into last year, but they end up playing in the championship game. Yeah, but all the quarterbacks with an 80-plus you know, like rating with pass completions and whatever, I mean, they saw some really good quarterbacks the first like eight weeks you know like there and it was like that probably was tough on the record you know the way the defense played and so the, they by the saying what you're together. saying are you defending their lack of uh ota working otas you're saying that that's okay because well, they're facing easy teams because that's saying, what i'm hearing man i'm saying glenn look like when carson wentz and how devastated the offensive line was and the two years of injuries, and they had a below 500 record. So, I mean, I, I know they have, like, uh, new people, especially at linebacker and some of the defensive positions, so they want to acclimate them into the game. And, you know, like, obviously, what they had, like, 30, one of the worst yeah, uh, sack records. I so, know. you got to work. All right, quickly, what's your Phillies point? Um, I think definitely Thompson was the move. You know, I don't know how Jody feels, but Joe Girardi was too analytical. His use of the bullpen was ridiculous about, you know, like three days or, you know, like that and, and give him days off or things like that. I think Thompson's, well, obviously Jody knows Thompson, you know, when he was a bank coach when the Yankees and, you know, all the all right. years he's been in. Right. We, we, we got to go, Jody. We're uh, we're gonna actually we're gonna talk uh, to John Heyman in a moment. But uh, I think you've kind of you've kind of said you like you've always liked Thompson. I'm a Thompson guy, but let me once again say, what has he done different than Girardi since he's taken over? Other than not be Joe Girardi, he's handled the pitchers and the bullpen and that about pretty much the same way Joe Girardi has. It was more of a personality thing than it was a strategic type change. Yeah, and sometimes that's enough. Again, I, and I'll always point to Charlie Manuel. Charlie Manuel was not the the greatest strategic manager in the history of baseball, but Charlie lasted for a good long time because Charlie knew how to handle a clubhouse. Now, the, Thompson's been there for a week and a day, so I'm not going to declare that he's going to even be here in a year or two years or ten years. But sometimes you do need a, a different personality. A guy knows how to handle a clubhouse. And I think Joe Girardi, for whatever reason, had lost that. And one of the things that we probably undersell here in Philadelphia, and I mentioned it a couple times, but I didn't even know it, so I didn't harp on it. They didn't pick up Joe Girardi's option last offseason. Correct. And they could have, which told you, Joe, you better get the job done here. We're going to get you some better players, uh, and it's now we're never. And when they fell eight games below five hundred, yeah, Dave Dombrowski at least was leaning that way. He wouldn't cop to it when they had the press conference, and he said it kind of after they got beat by the Mets, swept to New York. That's when it really moved forward, and he talked to his baseball guys and kind of made the decision. Oh, but they had leanings prior to that when they didn't pick up Girardi's option during this past off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, 215-592-9494. John Heyman is going to join us coming up, Odyssey MLB Insider. Hey, are you tired of dealing with your old drafty windows and doors in your house? Maybe it's time you finally go Gaida. 
The great people at Guided Door and Window will help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off. And you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. Example, buy an entry door, you get half off a storm door. Buy a patio door, get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, well, you can save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guida is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act now. Offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A dot com. It's a one-run lead for the Phillies, 6-5 to five in the pitch. Breaking ball blasted. Forget about it. Way back to left as that is a moonshot from Reese Hoskins. (laughs) Second homer of the night for Hoskins. It's his 11th of the season, and it's a 7-5 Phillies lead as Reese gets one back. All right, joining the show is Odyssey MLB uh, insider John Heyman. Insider calls are presented by BetQL. Get access to data and insights the sportsbooks don't want you to see. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. Uh, John, Jody McDonald, and Glenn Acknow, happy to have you on. Uh, I heard you on the podcast with Joel Sherman, whatever it was, 10 days ago, two weeks ago, and you speculated... Uh, 51 games in, that Joe Girardi was not going to last. You were correct, sir. As the bells go off in your car, proving you correct. <laughs> ding, 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 Well, I, I thought he would last a little longer. Uh, he wasn't Dave Dombrowski's guy to begin with. That's never a good sign. Uh, you know, obviously, the vibe wasn't good. Dave made the right call. I think Joe Girardi is, by and large, a good manager. He's makes the right move, but uh, this team needed something else. They needed to relax. They've got a relaxed guy now, Rob Thompson. Uh, That might just be a better fit for them. You used a specific word. Bryce Harper used the same word, John, vibe. How do you change vibe? How do you get the right (laughs) vibe? Well, the only known way to do that is to change the manager, and I think that will do it sometimes. Obviously, Girardi's a good manager. He, you know, he got one manager of the year in Florida with the Marlins, uh, did get fired after that. Uh, you know, he had all winning seasons in New York, 10 in a row, got fired after that. Um, you know, it's a tough job, so he's used to getting fired, but uh, I do think that changing managers is the most easy and obvious way to do it. You know, uh, unless you got one player in there that's some supreme problem and you get rid of them. But I, I don't think that's usually the case. Easiest thing to do uh, is is to change managers. And I do think this, uh, you know, I mean, 7-0 and oh, Thompson is, right? So, uh, you know, my we, we was it that. Joe Morgan? Yeah, it was it Joe Morgan with the uh, with the Red Sox uh, 30-something years ago that started 7-0 and oh, or 8? I don't know what he started. 12, like he that. went 12-0 and oh to start, yeah. Yeah, I mean... They seem very relaxed. I think they're happier. <laughs> it's working. Uh, should be interesting. It's a tough division, and it's now showing itself. You know, the Marlins were off to a terrible start. They are now playing well. The Braves, not a good start. They're a really good team. Obviously, we know the Mets are a good team. 
Uh, this, this is a tough division, and we're finally seeing this. All right, you're getting a little ahead of us, but uh, John Heyman is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at John, J-O-N-H-E-Y-M-A-N. Um, so, yeah, so they pivot to a guy, Rob Thompson. Uh, you probably know him better than we do. You're up in New York. You were, you saw him during more than we did during his years with the Yankees. Um, what do you know about him? What is it that he does well? Who Who is he, other than a guy who never loses? <laughs> well, I think he's uh, very uh, relaxed. Uh, confident guy. Um, I think he people like him. Um, you know, I will give Girardi credit. He's the one who brought him in, right? So, yep. um, you know, I, I think he was always looked at as a good second in command because uh, he can get along with everybody. Being a manager is a little more difficult. This will be a test, obviously. Uh, but very good personality. Um, you know, I, I think that will play well with this team. You know, Girardi... Very good X and O's, but uh, you know, not as a rela- not as relaxed as, as Thompson seems to be. So uh, I think this is what the team needed. Um, you would think Girardi with the older players would work with with star players would work. That seems to be a, a good spot for him. But uh, I think Thompson um, might be the right, exactly the right guy. It feels like and I'm not there. You guys are there. We're seeing more more at least productivity from Stott and Moniak and all the younger guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the younger guys, uh, you know, probably have the feeling that Girardi is more of a veterans manager. And I, I think that Thompson, uh, you know, is open to playing the young guys. I, I think they should. I think they should play their young guys. I think these guys are talented. Uh, last year with Bohm to have ever, to have played Torres. So, and I understand, you know, Bohm has, some weaknesses. Uh, he's not a great defensive player, but to play Torres over him, I think that that was error. You know, I think it's better to live with some mistakes and uh, let Bone play because he, he may be a star. And he's actually played better defensively this year than he did last year. Had one really bad night the first couple weeks of the season, yeah. but he's actually picked up his defense and is now a, an important part of that lineup. Uh, the biggest part of that lineup, of course, is Bryce Harper. He's playing like an MVP again, but he hasn't been able to play the field because of his elbow issue, and it's going to be uh, at least a month, if not more so, before they even try it, and then they have to decide if they do or don't uh, want him to have surgery. How handicapping was that for Girardi? Is that for Robbie Thompson going forward that they basically got a locked-in DH every day? Yeah, I mean, it's clearly a disadvantage. It's a team that has a great offense and not a great defense, as you guys well know. And, you know, really, frankly, have two or three guys who'd be better off as a DH, and that Harper's not one of them. Um, he's at least an average defender. And, uh, you know, if you got average defense with this hitting, they would win a lot of games. But, I mean, this team is kind of an experiment. Incredible offense. Can they overcome the defensive mistakes they're going to make? Um, they should do it more often than not. It should be better than 500. Now they're up to 500. Um, certainly a disadvantage, though. Their outfield defense uh, is not going to be good, uh, but it should make up for it because, you know, Castellanos and Schwarber are really good hitters, and uh, they're not going to—they're going to outhit their mistakes. I think in the in the end. That's the theory. That's the plan. Uh, John Heyman, one of the uh, recurring problems with the Phillies, and it has been for years now, is the bullpen. They kind of 
you know, reshuffle the cards every year, but it tends to be the same thing. Um, there's, there's some rumors they looked at Trevor Rosenthal. I don't know that he's got anything. Um, he did a showcase. But do you are there other names, uh, bullpen names that you think may shake out as teams that aren't contending decide to, you know, kind of shed talent? Any any I know it's early for rumors, but any possibility you could see out there? Well, uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, obviously, David Robertson didn't work out there. He's doing well with the Cubs. That'll be one guy that'll be out on the market. Uh, Melanson uh, will be out on the market. I mean, you guys had Kennedy for a while. I'm not sure that that's the answer there. But, uh, you know, I think we'll see with Arizona. They're better now. Uh, There are a lot of teams that are fairly close to the race now. So I'm not sure exactly who's going to sell. It's going to certainly be a seller's market. You're going to have to overpay. I mean, Bednar with Pittsburgh, but he's a young guy making very little, so that would take a ton to get him. Um, there will be some some decent relievers out on the market. I don't. I, I think there's no question about that. But whoever it is, you're probably going to have to overpay because um, you know uh, many more buyers than sellers at yeah. this point. I find it interesting that most of the names are guys who've already shuffled through here in yeah. the past. <laughs> they've all been we, there. All we been did the David Robertson while. experiment. I don't. I yeah, don't think we need that uh, one. he's been good with the Cubs, though. He's of good course. with the Cubs. Of course, good before he got here, good after he left. <laughs> John, well, let me I ask. Wouldn't call the Cubs a lucky team, but yeah, in this case, uh, they, they, they've done better with Robertson. That's correct. John, let me ask you about the team that the Phillies and everybody else is looking up in the NL East, and that's the Mets, who have been nothing short of spectacular so far this year. To do what they're doing, Sons, Jacob Grom having thrown a pitch all year, and Max Scherz have been out for up upwards of a month now. Uh, the other guys have stepped in and done the job. Uh, their offense is better than most people expected. And we're talking about managers and Rob Thompson and how he fits. How is this Buck Showalter thing fit like a glove in New York so far? Well, this is his fifth job, so I think he's got it right. You know, remember Joe Torrey took four jobs before he came, became a Hall of Fame manager. Uh, it's not an easy job. A lot of adjustments need to be made um, beyond the X's and O's. Uh, you know, there's dealing with all these different personalities and egos. And uh, it seems like he learned a lot from his first four jobs. And he was manager of the year three times. So we know the guy's a good X and O's manager and knows all the strategy, knows all the rules. Uh, he's really sharp, but he seems to be much better in terms of the personality, dealing with the media, dealing with the players. And, uh, you know, they needed an experienced guy. I think Rojas is going to be a good major league manager at some point. Uh, for New York, I think they need somebody with experience and Certainly, the Yankees with Tory, they got somebody with ultra experience, and here with Joe Walter, same thing. Last one before we let you go, John, give us your uh, current pick as we're now, whatever, about 40% into the season of uh, MVP and Cy Young for each league. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, I would say Judge is probably the MVP in the American League. I would say Goldschmidt is probably the MVP in the National League. Uh, Clanahan uh, from the Rays is the Cy Young wow. winner okay. in the American League at this point. And, uh, boy, National League uh, Cy Young. Help me out. Who are the candidates? Uh, uh, that's a good question because there is no standout know. guy. And McClanahan, I, I, did, did, uh, I, somebody told me this. I didn't see it. Shame on me. I should have cut the box score. Did the Rays actually play a game this week in under two hours? 
Because yes, of McClanahan taking the ball and just throwing it, gets it, he throws it, he gets it, he throws it, strike, 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 strike. Under two hours? I thought that was a physical impossibility in 2022. <laughs> He's like a Jim, a young Jim Cobb with strikeouts. Leads the league in strikeouts. He's got a 95 ERA, 0.95 over the last six um, outings. Um, to me, he's surpassed Cortez and Perez and Cole and Verlander and all the others. Um, he's been really, really good. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I don't know, National League, uh, Cy Young. I mean, Corbin Burns was doing great. Crapped out against the Phillies. You, you know who it might be? Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove, yes. The guy yes. nobody ever yes. heard of or talks about. If yes. you had the McClanahan Musgrove exacta <laughs> for for Cy Young before the season started in both leagues, yeah, it'd be more than the Kentucky Derby winner uh, paid when he won at eighty to one. Right, you're absolutely right. Musgrove eleven starts at, uh, with at least six innings and uh, fewer than two uh, two or fewer runs. Um, it's pretty remarkable. Um, I think the last guy to do that was geez, I, I can't remember. I think there was. Somebody who did 12 in a row to start the season. Um, but 11, spectacular. He has been the best pitcher in the National League. Thank you for giving me that one. That's all right, and nobody <laughs> knows who he is. All right, I lied with the last question. Here it is. Uh, when the season ends, what, six teams make the playoffs now, right, in each league? Correct. Will, will the Philadelphia Phillies be in the postseason, John Heyman? Um, no. I mean, I at the beginning of the year, I had San Diego as my sixth team, and I'm going to have to stick with that. Um, they're obviously on the right track. I think the National League is tougher than the American League at numbers five, six, seven, eight. San Francisco's in a tough spot, too. So I would say ultimately uh, it's going to be tough for them to make it. But at this point, I give them a chance. You know, obviously a week ago it didn't look like they had a chance. Uh, they got a chance now. Well, you know what? And that is a lot better than we thought we were a week ago. John Heyman, thank you so much for being our guest. All right, great talking to you guys. See you later. Thanks, Johnny. I right, appreciate it. That was John Heyman, an Odyssey MLB insider. Insider calls are presented by BetQL. BetQL is here to help us make better bets through real proven analytics. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. Jody, when you said if you had the uh, McClanahan-Musgrove uh, daily exactly. double, yeah, exactly, whatever, <laughs> Or daily double, you can play yeah. it your way, yeah, yeah. So, does I mean baseball's got ten thousand problems, and you know I, I still love it. You still love it. I get frustrated with it. But is part of baseball's problem now that it doesn't have those big identifiable stars? Well, I think they still have them. Maybe not as much on the pitching side as they used to because the way that managers manage games. Yep. Um, Starting bullpen, pitchers. Yeah, get, get me five, five and dive. And I'll go to four different guys to get the last four innings. Uh, there isn't the dominant hand him the ball, bullpen gets the day off, he's going all nine starting pitcher. Um, but there are still the Mike Trouts and the Bryce Harpers and the Aaron Judges of the world. Uh, we just ran down a couple of the MVP, Goldschmidt out of 20-some-odd game yeah. inning streak. So I'd say they're, they're still there on the offensive side, but... Yeah, the, the days of Bob Gibson and Steve Carlton and Tom Seaver are no longer in the offense. Well, and, and yes, and when I do this, listen, when I used to do this with Ray, Ray would go like, eh, where's Robin Roberts and Warren Spahn? And it's like, okay, I, I don't need to go back that far. I didn't even need to go back that far. 
I it wasn't. I mean, Roy Halladay would throw what two hundred fifty innings a year, right? Over two hundred for sure. Two fifty. Yeah. I probably uh, got there a couple whatever. of times. Two thirty. Yeah, that's more like it. Okay. Um, I think that the game has lost something in appeal, and again, maybe it's just me because I grew up. All those names you mentioned were the guys I grew up on, right? And then I enjoyed the next generation of those guys into the nineties, into the into the aughts, and now, like I don't know what the league leader is going to have in innings. Is anybody going to throw two hundred innings this year? If they do, that'll there'll be a handful at best. Yeah, and starting pitching, which to me is one of the most fun parts of the game, is the part that's been diminished most. So you get, as you said, you get your starting pitcher, give me five, and then you got a half a dozen hellacious throwers in the bullpen, right? Six foot four, 230 pound guys who can just throw heat. Right. And each of them, you know, like throw 20 pitches as hard as you can and then go sit down for the next two days because we got eight of you. And that's, I I, I don't want to complain about baseball because it's easy to, but that's a part of baseball that I think makes the game less fun for me. Well, here's a backhanded defense of baseball because, you know, basically I agree with you. When you and I were a little bit younger, do you ever remember the phrase maintenance days for basketball players? No. That they were perfectly healthy and fine, but we're not going to play them tonight because we want them well-rested by the time the playoffs come around. And it started with Popovich a couple of years ago when he had his uh, three 30-plus superstars that he just wasn't going to play and didn't care if other arenas were sold out on the road and they were coming to see Tim Duncan play. Sorry, it's a maintenance day for Tim Duncan. He's not playing. Uh, We're watching the Eagles have 13 practices during this offseason that they're allowed to decide, nah, six is enough. Two hours, nah, 45 minutes is enough. Less is more, Glenn. Their investments, they're big-time salaried guys, and they don't want to run the risk of overusing them and or injuring them. Yeah, well, that's a good point. Hey, good time to get in. we got some open lines. Had a lot of guests this hour. 215-592-9494. Get in before the top of the hour. We have a really fun feature at noon. Our pal Anthony Sanfilippo uh, is in the midst of a project where, and Jody, we have to ask him how he did this, collected yeah. the 50 greatest announcer calls in the history of the Phillies and and downloaded each of them off of YouTube. And I'm, I don't know about you, I went through them last night. I'm playing them. Oh, man, the memories are, are terrific. So. Uh, I'll kid because we care, and Anthony's friend. Here's my only issue with the whole thing. Oh, it sound, sounds like it's all Anthony's choice. That it is. His criteria was, yeah, whatever moves me. Do you trust San Filippo with that? Oh, I'll let you go, Adam. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll referee that one. <laughs> All right. I, need, I need the guy as a friend. He, he directs me in place. As, I as I do I. But but we're allowed to pimp a little bit here. Oh yeah. We? Oh yeah. Oh yo, you can. Yeah, you I can might push be different. Pride. I might be different than Ray in that way. Yeah, I don't think Ray ever go pimped anybody. No. But uh, yours truly, every once in a while, we'll take a shot. 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Macknow, 94 WIP. Jody McDonald, Glenn Macknow, Saturday morning, 94 WIP. Jody? J. Mack, um, I, I hope you saw this on Twitter because the person who sent it in, Bill Hangley Jr., sent it to both of us. Didn't Re- see. Remember you asked me last week about who Rob Thompson looks like? 
and you said that uh, Ava and uh, Bill Matz uh, went down the road of uh, the, the, the former manager from Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau, yeah. Bad news bears, absolutely. Went out of my mind. Um, but you correctly identified Walter as a hangdog face guy, which yeah. he really is. He is the definition of a hangdog guy. And I don't think Rob Thompson is quite that. Uh, Bill Hangley Jr. sent us this on Twitter, both you and I. He said, I knew Thompson reminded me of somebody, and last night it hit me. Do you know the, the actor Dan Hadaya? Oh, yeah. A.K.A. Oh, yeah. Nick yeah. Tortorelli, uh, who was Carla's wife, uh, husband on Cheers. Yes. Carla was his wife. Yes. That's Rob Thompson. And he uh, included a picture of uh, yeah, that works. from something. It works. That's more Rob Thompson than uh, Walter Matthau. Walter, uh, a little too old. And I think uh, uh, Dan Hadaya is like 70 himself, 75 plus himself. But the younger Dan Hadaya is what Rob Thompson looks like. That's pretty good. That's outstanding. I'm sticking with Matthau only because he was a manager. But I I like Hadaya. That's a very good pull. It is. There you Uh, go. Give credit to Bill Hangley Jr. for tweeting that to us. All right. Do me a favor, Kyle. Play the cut. And Trout sends one to the right side. A diving play. He may have hurt himself, but he made an unbelievable grab for the second outs. Let's just hope he just knocked the wind out of himself. He went down hard. Well, unfortunately, he didn't just knock the wind out of himself, John Cruck. He did hurt himself that diving catch that Nick Maton made last week. Uh, Left arm outstretched, landed on it. And uh, ended up with uh, going on the 10-day disabled list with a, I got to get it right, shoulder sprain. We are joined now by our friend, Dr. David Gelt from Cooper Bone and Joint. Doc, how are you today? Pretty good. Good to see you guys together. Yeah, always a pleasure. Thank you. So we had a couple injuries this week, and I want to get this right. Nick Maton on a diving catch had a shoulder sprain, and Camargo... Uh, on Monday, hurt his right knee and is a right knee strain. Um, what's the difference, if we can, Doc, between a sprain and a strain? So basically, you, you can sprain a ligament from strain a muscle or a tendon. Um, there, I mean, they're somewhat similar. There's really soft tissue injuries, um, mm-hmm. and there's different variations on how bad it is. As far as uh, Nick Maytime, when he falls on his outstretched arm, Usually that involves actually what they call the AC joint, which is where your collarbone and shoulder meet together, that little bump right on top. Yep. And sometimes there's a couple ligaments on that connect those, and sometimes you can injure that. So you have pain with going across your arm or going up above your head. Um, good thing is usually that heals pretty well, um, and it's sort of let pain be your guide, and then uh, let it settle down and you get back to playing. But kind of like you didn't have any structural damage, which is a good thing. So hopefully I'll be back uh, after 10 to 14 days. All right. And, and tomorrow. Yeah, so Camargo, I think he, I didn't actually see it. I think my actually son told me, was, I guess he was running over the base and he uh, tweaked it, I guess. I'm not sure exactly the, uh, the mechanism of it. Um, it sounds like he's, uh, he was, I guess he continued to play that game. I don't know if he sat out afterwards, but I think he got soreness. Um, sounds like, you know, I don't know if there's any structural issues. It might be, you know, uh, 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 ligament on the inside part of the knee may have gotten irritated or even some of the, some of the hamstring behind the knee. Um, been aggravated, but, uh, I'm not sure. They give me too much detail for okay. trying to read about on it. Doc, I only have one question for you this week, and know full well I'm asking it with my son, my 
tongue somewhat implanted in my cheek. Uh, Glenn and I discussed this in the first segment or the second segment of the show about the Eagles doing less in their off-season work, uh, six practice sessions as compared to the amount of 13 that they could have used, uh, two-hour limits as uh, compared to the one hour that they would put in. What is the exact percentage that the Eagles are lessening the possibility of injuries by doing half as much work during the off-season as they could have potentially done? And I think that's the million-dollar question. I don't know if anybody really knows if it's you know an hour versus two hours. You know, injuries happen just often fluke issues. You know, sometimes it's overuse problems, but if you're just doing uh, walkthroughs or uh, you know, not really doing any tackling, I don't know how much injury you're going to get versus, you know, an hour versus two hours. So, you know, I'm, I'm with you guys a little bit where, you know, the more they're on the field, getting together, getting the flow of things, getting to know each other, I think it's better uh, for the long run for, for, for sure. Absolutely. Doc, I know you're a movie guy. Have you had a chance to check out Hustle yet on uh, Netflix? I have not. Um, actually, I saw uh, one of my patients was a uh, one of the uh, extras. Nice. Uh, so he was telling me a little bit about it. But, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It should be uh, a lot of Philly. So it should be A lot fun. of Philly. A lot of Philly. A lot of Philly connection. A lot of local athletes. A lot of local people you will enjoy. Doc, we always enjoy talking to you. Dr. David Gelb from Cooper Bone and Joint. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. All right, guys. Have a good one. All Thanks, right. Doc. Thank you so much. So, Jody, I got a question for you kind of off of this. When all these guys are healthy, right? So these are, these are two of your utility infielders, um, and, and both have contributed this year. By the way, I read that Camargo, when he was with Atlanta, injured, injured himself in 2017 stepping out of the dugout and then injured himself in 2019 jogging onto the field. So this guy knows how to get hurt. <laughs> you know, he should be practicing with the Eagles. Then he would never get hurt. <laughs> there you go. Right? He hurt himself like going out to pick up his mail. Um, when you have Maton and when you have Camargo and when you have Stott and when you well, we're not going to see um, uh, what's his name for for a good long time, Didi. Um, but when everybody's there. How who's playing for you? Who's coming off the bench, and who are you losing? Well, and I appreciate the couple of days that Nick Maton had, but truth be told, he was hitting like two eighteen down mm-hmm. at AAA. Um, okay. So I think uh, Nick will certainly be one of the odd men out. Camargo is your locked-in middle infielder backup guy because he can play all three positions. Um, so he will certainly get his uh, job back. Hey, they got Matt Beerling who is their fill-in second baseman as of right now because yeah. Rob Thompson says so. Not right. that we have any evidence that he could actually play there, no, but Rob ground, says. grounders in batting practice. That's yeah, right. that means he's ready to play second base in a big league game. Um, so, And and Veerling got the huge home run the other day. I would consider him a uh, bubble guy as well. Uh, if Moniak struggles, then Veerling will be back. But my guess is right now that uh, Veerling, uh, Nick Maton, when he is activated, will be activated to the Iron Pigs. And uh, Veerling... Uh, gives them another good bat off the bench, which you like. But right now they have zero backup infielders. I'm not counting taking grounders during batting practice as enough to make me believe that uh, Veerling could actually play second base if necessary. Makes sense to me. Let's sneak in Rick from Eason before the break. Hello, Rick. Glenn, you could never ask for a better replacement hey. in history for Ray Dittinger than my friend uh, Jody Mack. Appreciate uh, that. One of the best. Uh, I've had experiences with both of you. You treated me like 
a gentleman and a mensch when I came home when Dominique asked me to do the wrestling rankings back in 1980. And I always <laughs> had my hat off to you for that. And Jody Mack and I, we go back with some uh, wrestling promotion things. I actually met Jody also a second time standing in line for a beer at, a, at the vet. No, no, that didn't in, happen. I've wait, never, hold, I never stood in line for a beer at the vet. That didn't happen. Your, holes in your jeans and a T-shirt and a real man. And yes, he Jody. was always a good guy. <laughs> that's the that's evidence for me. Uh, yes. Made, by the way, I just made my, uh, my bets for the uh, Belmont. Uh, uh, guys, uh, you guys are the best. And I just wanted everybody to know that you're real, genuine people. And, and that was the main reason. Why. So real quick. The issue that I have with today's athletes, and, and the problem is, and I was a breath of fresh air when I went to the uh, Phillies game a couple uh, weeks ago. I saw the time Bryce Harper, I sit in the Diamond Club, and I was able to sit and watch the batting practice before the games. The amount of time that Bryce Harper stands at the batting tees that a five-year-old hits off of, and the soft toss, and taking extra batting practice before a game, he puts in almost an hour before the game even starts, which was a breath of fresh air. But I think the biggest problem, guys, with sports is, and I see it in wrestling to NCAAs, and I see it in pro, in pro sports, when you see these kids are going to make it as a millionaire when they're in seventh and eighth grade, we put these kids on such pedestals because of the TV money and the TV contract. And these kids get pet cures and manicures when they're, like, in eighth grade. Golf and tennis. If you don't yeah. produce, you don't make money. TV money is killing sports at the collegiate and the pro level, and we have to get back to reality in sports, or we're in we're doomed. Rick, it's it's a good rant, but I got to hit a break. So oh. call next week, make the same rant, and we'll discuss more. Love you guys. Keep <laughs> All right, break. nice to talk Thanks, to bud. you. By the way, I do. We have met him. I've met him. You've met him. I once gave him the hairy eyeball for calling stalling. Um, he was a referee. He was a wrestling referee, and he called stalling on my son in a high school really? match. And I gave him, yeah, he remembers the dirty look I gave him. <laughs> he deserved it. It was a bad call. I never, my rule with my son was never talk out loud at events, right? My, he said, like, my, he played hockey, he played wrestling, uh, he, he wrestled, and he, and he uh, pole vaulted. And he said, his rule to me, and I appreciate it, he says, Dada, you can come, but I don't want to hear your voice. And it's like, okay, that's fair. As so I, just, a, I gave him the hairy eyeball. A, a, as a guy who used to coach youth sports with my daughter when she was a basketball player, I had no problems with the parents having problems with the officials because then they didn't have problems with me <laughs> yeah, not yeah. playing their daughters. So it's perfectly fine <laughs> yeah. to attack yeah, the well. referees as much as possible. Yeah, Please put your attention motive. in their way. Yes, yeah. thank you. Okay. All right. Hey, coming up. And this is really going to be fun. Our pal Anthony Sanfilippo uh, has a great feature he's been doing, although Jody's got a bit of a problem with it, but that'll be fun to explore, of the 50 greatest calls in, Phil in Philly's history. Uh, we'll get to that coming up. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Three and one to Ryan Howard. Well here to the opposite field. Ryan has joined you. 
58 home runs and the Phillies lead it four to nothing. The most in Philadelphia baseball history. Oh, goosebumps, Jody McDonald, goosebumps. That is 2006, Ryan Howard having one of the great seasons anybody ever had in a Phillies uniform, his 58th home run of the season, franchise record. Things were looking great, and per one of our friends, I'll get to this in a second, one of the great calls in Phillies history. This hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. Jody, you and I knew our next guest when he was just kind of a slob of a uh, producer for us, right? Way back in the uh, day. Has that much changed over the years? We know it was 16 years ago that Ryan Howard hit that home run. It was 16 years ago that, uh, yes, he was working with us on a day-in, day-out basis. Yeah, not that much has changed. Well, he's now, listen, he's now got the, the Snow the Goalie podcast, the Press Row Show. He's actor, director, star by night. Anthony Sanfilippo is our guest. How are you doing, pal? Well, you know, I was sitting here, guys, right before the break, um, sympathizing with your previous caller because when I was your remote producer, I used to get that hairy eyeball from Glenn pretty much every 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah I can do it. I, I, I definitely can express anger without saying a word. It's why you've trained me to be a thespian, Anthony, and I appreciate it. There you that. go. There you go. All right, so you are doing a, bra- a, a terrific project for what website? For crossingbroad.com. There you go. There you go, where you are doing the 50 greatest calls in Philly's history. Before we get to some of them, it turns out Jody's got a little bit of a problem with this. Uh-oh. Yeah, Here we I, go. I said this earlier that uh, it, it's it's very entertaining. And, yeah, I can't wait for the next group to come out. You've released it in uh, groups, and you're teasing everybody. It's very well done. But I just can't believe it's you that it's as good as it is, and you are the deciding factor for this. To put them in the order that it is, that's my only question. Uh, how have you done such a good job? Well, thanks, Joe. I appreciate, I appreciate the confidence. <laughs> that's a, that's um, kind of a double-edged you know, sort of a question. Yes. Yeah. No, the, the, the point of it is, is that it, it actually started from just a – I was having a conversation with both of my sons a few weeks back, just kind of like you know, talking about um, – great Phillies calls. And so I started thinking about it. I started going to make a list. And I was originally just going to make a list of the top 10. And when I sat down about it, an hour later, I had a list just from memory of 34. Um, and then I thought, man, if I could come up with that many off the top of my head, maybe this would be a good little series for the website. And then, of course, Sunday came, and last Sunday, when they beat the Angels. And those two calls were fantastic, both on uh, TV and radio. And I reached out to Kevin Kincaid, our, our editor at the site, and I said, Hey, Kev, I mean, I have this list. What do you think? And he said, absolutely, let's go. It's really timely. And so it just, it just worked. I did a little bit more research to get it up to, up to 50. Um, and then I just decided to rank them based on the calls themselves, not so much the moments, uh, but just basically the, the wording that was used, the, the emotion of the moment uh, for the, for the uh, broadcasters. And then, of course, as we get down to the top 20 here, I think you guys will agree that when you remember a call and you remember the actual line that was used and it, it's referred to by that line even to this day, yeah. I think that's what makes it great because you remember that. Right? Right. So that's where we're going to be getting to in the top 20. All right. Well, so you you doing them, as Jody said, in uh, groups of 10. You started, yeah. I guess, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You'll pick up Monday. I want to play one of them. This is the end of Roy Halladay's perfect game uh, against the Marlins. Uh, Vince fired up. Back up onto the mound. Tucks the baseball in his right hand. Now into the glove. 
Holds it in front of the letters. Nods yes. The wind. The one-two pitch. Swing and a ground ball. Left side. Castro's got it. Spins. Throws. Yeah. He got him. A perfect game for Roy Halladay. 27 up and 27 down. Halladay is mobbed at the mound as the Phillies celebrate perfection tonight in Miami. All right. Amazing job by Scott Fransky. You hear a little L.A. percussion in there. Uh, I think you and I were in the same place when that game was pitched. Yeah, and that's the funny thing, Jody, is that we were in um, Chicago the same night, and we did not, I did not see one pitch of it when it happened, nor did you, because we were at game one of the 2010 Stanley Cup final between yep. the Flyers and the Blackhawks. And the story that I tell him in there was really kind of an interesting one is, I was working for the Daily Times, Delaware County at that time, and I was sitting next to my sports editor, Rob Parent, who was there covering the, the finals as well. And I pointed it out to him in like the fourth or fifth inning, and he was like, ah, it's still too early to worry about it. By the seventh inning, it was like, okay, what do we put on the back page tomorrow? Do we put Halliday's perfect game, or do we put game one of the Stanley Cup final? And, you know, we had decided, I guess, you know, if, if they both, if it happened, and then the Flyers won, it would be a split back. Um, but if the Flyers lost and the perfect game happened, it was going to be all Doc, and it was the right call. It was absolutely the right call because, what, there's only been 21 or 22 in the history of the game. That was number 20. It was only the second one in the history of the Phillies. Um, and, and, look, I don't want to take anything away from Tom McCarthy's call. McCarthy got a great call as well. The thing that I love about Fransky's call there, Glenn and Jody, is that you know it's a big moment when Scott starts describing, like, second by second, and he's talking about how he, he's holding the ball and he's holding it in his glove in front of him, and, it, when Doc threw the no-hitter, he, he identified the time of day, and, yes. you know, where they were at. I mean, it, things like that are, are what makes you remember the call. That's why it was such, a, such an iconic call. He, he's, setting up, he's setting up the historical moment. He's smart enough yeah. to do that. Yeah. All right, Anthony, let me go a little inside baseball on you. Um, yeah. Because you did, a, as I said, shockingly so to me, you've done a phenomenal <laughs> job with this. Um, and you're going back and forth between radio and television calls they're two distinctly different calls. Your job as a radio broadcaster is different than it is of yeah. a play-by-play guy doing television because you've got pictures to tell some of the story. And if you're just continually talking over it, you might be judged as a guy who talks too much, whereas on the radio, you need to put every single aspect of the call in its proper perspective. How did you balance that in your own mind, comparing a radio call to a television call of the same moment? Yeah, and you're 100% correct, because in, in, you have to paint a little bit different of a picture. You use different colors, I, I would say, if you're trying to make a, uh, give it an image. You have to give, use different colors on the radio than you do on television, right? Because you have the assistance of, being, of, of the audience being able to see what's happening uh, when you're on TV. Although there are times on television where you're seeing something because it's not quite on camera yet. So in the moment, you might be describing something that the audience hasn't seen yet. So there is that, that delicate balance as well. But you're right. Overall, the radio call is a little bit – you have to be a little bit more uh, – give, give a little bit more to it because they can't see it at all uh, and, and won't until they get in front, of a, in front of a TV or in front of their computer later. Whereas on television, yeah, there's a real chance that they're watching right there with you. Uh, but the, the, I think the excitement build on television, which is what made Harry so great um, as, a, as a broadcaster, is he, he, would, he was so good at anticipating – what was going to happen. I, I think I pointed it out in um, uh, one of the inside-the-park home runs by Bobby Abreu mm. on the list mm-hmm. that he has, it's a fly ball to center. As soon as that kicks off the center fielder's glove, you, Harry knows at that moment this could end the ball game. 
And so you could feel the, the, the building of it to the climax. And then, of course, there's a play at the plate, and he goes crazy. So it's, it's just identifying and understanding the moment and where it fits in the game. And it, you have, it, it takes a special gene, I think, for broadcasting. And we've had some great ones here in Philadelphia. We have. Uh, let me play one more that you put in there. It's a it's a Harry moment, uh, um, and it's it's the Aaron Rowan face yeah. against the outfield wall catch. Uh, Kyle, fire that one up. Driven to deep center field, Rowan back. Are you kidding me? Oh, what a catch! What a great, great, perhaps game saving catch by Aaron Rowan. Nick. Incredible play by Rowan. Well, first of all, I like that the band is playing music as, as they do this. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, you're so right. It's kind of what Jody said and what you picked up, which is with Harry and with Fransky, you hear their voices pick up when it's about to be a great moment, and it just pulls you in as a viewer or a listener. And that, that to me, I mean, I, I think most people remember the play. It's when Aaron Rowan caught the ball, slammed into the outfield fence, held the ball, did the whole for who, for what, for the, the fans, for my teammates, and made him a hero forever. Yeah, and what I love the most about that call, Glenn, is you know, that's kind of towards the end of – Harry didn't, Harry hadn't lost his fastball, but it was – it was no longer 97. It was probably like 94 at that point, right, um, at, towards, towards the end of his career. And so the, the way that the play unfolds, he, I don't think he was 100% sure at the moment that Rowan caught it that he held onto the ball. And I think Larry Anderson really helps in this, in this case by saying, oh, what a great catch, because yep. it allows Harry to give that extra second to think about how he's going to now describe the fact that Rowan made the catch. And so that's great work as a team there. And I think that's what makes, that's what makes the call so good, is Harry has it filled. L.A. helps him, but doesn't go too far, and Harry then takes it the rest of the way. I think that's what makes the call so special. And, Anthony, over the entire 50-call uh, list, and we've still got a couple more to wait to be able to compare it to, a bunch of different uh, color analysts on both the radio and the TV side, so you get to comp them in a little bit. Uh, how much did you lean on what that – you're right. In that call we just played, it was short, it was sweet, it was so to the point, it was perfect with L.A. How much did the color analysts' contribution factor into the way you put the list together? Well, yeah, I, I think a lot of times, Joe, if I was, if I was debating between uh, two or three calls, and there was a color analyst uh, contribution to it. I, I favored the, that call over another because of the color analyst adding adding something to it that's that's really unique and really special. Um, I think that the uh, Gary Matthews home run in the 1983 World Series, for example, Whitey Ashburn says um, he just stood there and looked at it. And it's interesting because nowadays when somebody hits a home run. They all stand there yeah. and look at it, right? <laughs> okay, in 1983, that wasn't a thing, right? That yeah. was not a thing to kind of admire your home run. Um, and so him pointing that out, and again, that's a radio call because that was the NLCS, so that was national television. So that's a radio call. So for him to point that out is really kind of like, oh, wow, how about that, that he looked at it and added something that you couldn't see. So, so I think in those cases where it was close between two or three, if the, if the color analyst gave me something, I went with them. Uh, I put that a little bit higher. Anthony Sanfilippo, I guess you can follow him on Twitter at Ant San Philly. You can read this 
on Crossing Broad. All right, a couple, a couple of quick things. Um, it's mostly Harry and Fransky, um, Whitey, L.A. I'm trying to think of some, some Tom McCarthy on TV. But a couple other broadcasters kind of snuck their way in from Philadelphia and from elsewhere, correct? Yeah, I mean, so far on the list, I mean, I think you got a, you got a Chris Berman, um, which I thought was a great call because it was back before he was mainstream. It was back it was when ESPN he was, was still kind of in its, yeah, it was kind of its earlier days. Berman uh, call in there, um, I, and I can promise you that there's a couple more. We had the, uh, I guess on the list we had the uh, the one that's going to be on part of your show tomorrow, as a matter of fact, uh, the Jim Rooker call. Which yes. wasn't even a great call, but it was the whole if they <laughs> if they if they blow this game, I'll walk home. Um, and then the Phillies come back from a ten nothing deficit, and you know he had to walk back from Philadelphia. To yeah, Pittsburgh, we so. we do we we celebrate that one uh, tomorrow. Um, yeah, so I mean, so yeah, there are there are calls, and I will say, I think I had the first one yesterday, but there are a few calls on this list that maybe weren't in favor of the Phillies, but it heard in a Phillies game. Oh, and, uh, the one can I, I do it? Can I do the line? Right All ahead. the runs are unearned, but so what? Yeah. <laughs> Every the Phillies fan Vigio. remembers that. We had 2006? What year was that? 2005, I believe, 2005, was that, that was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and it was 2005. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, Anthony, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Before, you, before you go, Jody, Cut. go for it, Kyle. <laughs> I mean, just price had to, had, just had, price you had to put it in. That yeah. is outstanding. All right, Anthony, very much looking to the uh, forward to the end of the list. While we got you, we got to get a uh, flyer question or two in with you. Uh, sure. Which one is going to happen first? Rob Thompson will lose a game that he manages, or the Flyers will name their next head coach? <laughs> if, if I had to put a bet on that, Julie, I would say Rob Thompson will lose a game Damn. before the Flyers pick the coach. And the only reason I'm going to say that is, um, you know, there's only a couple days here left um, before the start of the Stanley Cup final next week. And the NHL kind of has a unwritten rule that, you know, you don't break any news for your own team to, to distract from the Stanley Cup final. So I think the teams would have to wait to announce all the coaching hirings until after the Stanley Cup was over. Uh, so that's why I would suggest that that's going to go on a little bit longer than, than Rob. Uh, Thompson's streak is here for the Phillies. Um, but it is possible. I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I think that there's one big uh, domino that needs to fall, and that's Barry Trotz deciding where he wants to coach. Uh, and it could be here. I don't think the Flyers are the favorite, but I think that they're still in the, kind of in the mix uh, for him. And, and once he makes that call, makes that decision, I think that's when we'll see – all the teams in the NHL, because there's five or six openings right now, I think that it'll be one right after another, after another, after another at that point. All right, so if I had to bet on one guy for the Flyers at this point, uh, and I, let's see, candidates are trots, as you said, John Tortorella, Jody's favorite guy. Jody has a great Tortorella story. We'll tell that later. Uh, local favorite, Jim Tockett. Uh, Paul, uh, Bruce Cassidy, right? The Bruins coach got fired. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Anybody else I'm leaving out? 
Well, they've, they've interviewed a few. I mean, um, I would say that first and foremost, first and foremost, I'll say this just so I know it's going to upset a lot of local fans, but Rick Tockett will not be the next head coach. Okay. Uh, I can tell you that with 100% certainty. But I think that if Barry Trotz says no, I, I, I would lean hardly toward Tortorella. From what I've been able to glean, from what I've been able to glean from a number of people, there's just a lot of people in the organization who like him, who want him here. I'm not sure Chuck Fletcher, who's the general manager, thinks he's the next best choice. But there's so many other people who like him, and he wants. The most important thing is, guys, he wants this job mm. more than any other. Like mm. the, the other coaches that they're interviewing, they're interviewing elsewhere, and they're thinking, well, Flyers might be number two or number three on the list. No, no, for Tortorella, the Flyers are number one. And so a, I, I think that's a good matchup, and I think that that's probably where they would where they would go next if Trot says no. As a member right. of the Philadelphia media, how do you feel about that? I would be for us. It would be fantastic. Okay. It would be, it would Jody, be like bringing Ken. It would be like bringing Ken Hitchcock back. Okay. Like it would be. Jody, it would be that good. You get All a last right. question, Joe. Yeah. Last thing. Um, you said Tockett not happening because the Flyers yeah. have determined he's not their guy, or Rick Tockett has determined the Flyers aren't his. Uh, most uh, favorable landing spot. I think Tockett would be interested. I think that I think, in all honesty, when they interviewed him, I think it was more of a courtesy interview than anything else. I don't think that they had him rated very high on their list for a head coaching position. Um, could I see them potentially saying that Tockett, if he doesn't get a head coaching job somewhere, would you be interested in being an assistant coach? Um, I think that's a, a potential thing. But if you're Rick Tockett. You give up the great gig you got on TNT right now um, with that studio show, which is doing really, really well for hockey, to just be an assistant coach for a rebuilding franchise. I, I don't necessarily know if I do. I think I think Tocket would rather stick with TV in that case. All right, Anthony Sanfilippo, uh, you have the 20 best calls yet to go. Uh, Jody uh, doesn't have that much faith in your own ability to do it, but I think we agree. So far, it's been good. I'm like a proud papa who didn't think his son was as good as he is. Okay, well, there you go. And I'm expecting, and I know you don't want to give it away, but I'm expecting both Jimmy Rollins and – Matt Stairs are going to make my top five. Is that a fair fair guess? I will say this: uh, you can you can you, you don't have to hold your uh, hold your breath on Monday to see those. They'll they'll be, they'll both be in Tuesday. Yeah. Okay, uh, good. Oh, well, there oh, you go. Oh, that works. Oh, oh, by the way, I'd bet more on Chase Utley, but that's just me. Okay. World bleeping champions? No, probably not. That no, no, but no, yes, no, I know, no, I know, no, no. I know. Hey, Anthony, it's yeah. a pleasure. Thanks so much. Hey guys, anytime. Thanks for having me. All Thanks, right, see ya. Really good series that he's done on that thing. Really fun to watch. Uh, and as um, pimping Anthony, he goes out the door. That that had to take. He he mentioned that he had like thirty four off the top. He said of his he put head. it together in a day. God bless. For me, that would be like three weeks of research and work to oh, get through and crowdsourcing. Man, holy mackerel! Yeah, this is where I would use Twitter. Hey, everybody! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I've written books that way. All right, uh, Jim and Phoenix will hang in. We'll get you coming up on the other side. Um, and anybody else wants to call 215-592-9494. We'll get Jody's reaction to Tortorella being the lead candidate. I know how fond you are of him. Uh, and we look forward to talking to everybody. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack now. 
Are you tired of dealing with old drafty windows and doors in your house? Maybe it's time you finally go Guider. The great people at Guider Door and Window will help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off, and you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. Buy an entry door, get half off a storm door. Buy a patio door, get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, you can save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guida is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act now. Offers limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit them at goaguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Training camp because minicamp was uh, anyway. This you hour blinked sponsor, and you missed it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Which Fletcher Cox certainly did. Does he? So, well, hold on. Let me say first. Do this. This hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker dot com. Does Flet? Does it bother you that Fletcher Cox showed up for only the last day? And oh, by the way, he said I stuck my head in. Uh, which yes, means he right. didn't get he a waved. whole lot of activity yeah. in, uh, but sat down for the media. And, oh, by the way, I did appreciate that because the offseason for Fletcher was kind of weird, and I have to have some trust and faith in Howie Roseman and the fact that he plays the cap game as well as maybe any other general manager in football. They release him. They take the big cap hit. But then they re-sign him for $14 million, which is a pretty big number for a guy whose production has been coming back to the pack the last couple of years. So I wanted to hear what Fletcher had to say. He didn't really put much light on it, but at least I wanted to hear it from him rather than anybody else. Um, so, I would, yeah, I was glad that he came in, stopped by, showed his face, but much like many of the other Eagles didn't get a whole hell of a lot of football work done. No. He did not. Let's get to Jim in Phoenixville. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Jody. Good morning. I, uh, I'm a first-time caller. I, I love listening to you guys. I've listened to you from way, way back in the day. And I just want to say you guys are great on the radio together. Oh, it's always you. a pleasure to hear the two of you together. Hold, hold on. Thank you. Hold on one sec. Jody, do you get this a lot um, when people say, like, oh, gosh, I used to listen to you and Glenn when, you were like, <laughs> when I was in fourth grade. I grew up with you guys. And for some reason, and I think I know why, but uh, more so than anything, the Berlin McDonald's. I came to the Berlin McDonald's to see you guys back in the 90s. Yeah, we kept that place open for a while. Yeah, we did. Anyway, sorry, Jim, go ahead. That's all right. I was a lot older than fourth grade when I was listening to you guys, but I get it. Um, Anyway, you guys were talking a little while ago about the sort of glut of middle infielders the Phillies are going to have when everybody's healthy. Um, And I just wanted to say about that, I think, you know, unfortunately – I'd have to say that DD is going to be the guy that ends up being the odd man out eventually, you know, for the Phillies. Um, just, I, I think long term they just can't depend on him to stay healthy, and they're better so off going with his, the other Joe, guys. Do you know his contract? Is it? Is yeah, it this is his last year. This is yeah. it, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, and the other thing is, uh, I had a story I wanted to relate to you, Glenn about about Ray Didinger. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted, I saved it to call in uh, for an appropriate time, and I thought his retirement after his retirement would, would be a good time because he, I met Ray once at a book signing and told him he had to tell this story and he didn't want to. <laughs> okay, so good. I well, thought, let's tell well, it. He's, I honored that until he retired. And now I thought maybe it's a good time. Okay. Um, 
It's actually a story that's told by Gene Collier. So you guys know Gene, the columnist from the Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh uh, writer, yeah. He tells a story about way, way back in the day uh, when he and Ray were both beat writers covering the NFL. Um, They were at the NFL draft one year, and all the reporters were just hanging out before the draft, bored out of their skull back then because it wasn't as big a deal as it is today, Mm -hmm. um, trying to kill time. And someone came up with the idea that to have a mock draft and the rules of the mock draft were that you could draft anyone from human history. Oh, that's fun. So they drew straws to see who, you know, the order of the draft, you know, what the order would be. Mm-hmm. Ray Dittinger gets the first pick in the mock draft where he can draft anyone who ever lived. Ooh. So hold on. Do you... Hold on. You go Einstein, you go Jesus, you go... Okay, yeah, go ahead. So Ray Dittinger gets up, you know, at the lectern they had with a microphone, and he, he gets up there and he says, the Philadelphia Eagles, with the first pick of the NFL draft, select from the University of Pennsylvania, offensive lineman Ben Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's a good pick. Uh, I love that, that pick. pick. And, his, his, you know, and they said, Ray, you can draft anyone who ever lived, and you pick Ben Franklin. Why? He said, well, you know, if you're building a team, you've got to start you know, with great line play. You need a good offensive line. I thought he's a big guy, moves well. You could build a country around this guy. You could. Jim, i got to <laughs> run, but I love that. And by the way, I saw a thing on Ben Franklin recently, Jody. He's, he may be the smartest person in human history. He invented everything. He invented glasses. He invented electricity. He invented uh, statesmanship. I don't argue it. And he used to hang in places that you and I probably hang now, but I think they've probably changed since uh, Ben hung there. Brewed his own beer. (laughs) That's one thing that Glenn Mack now has followed in his footsteps at. exactly right. Got to respect that. All right, Jody, I need Jody McDonald, music critic, here for a moment, if I may. And you and I used to argue music back in the day. We uh, had some different choices, and that's, that's cool. I don't know but how you I, feel. You I never, I never saw the the monkeys. Uh, Jimi Hendrix open up for the monkeys. I, so you it, do have that over me. I got to give you props for that. That one. is a true story. Um, I saw when I was a, a kid. It was my sister, older sister's birthday, and so the birthday party was. We went to a monkeys concert. It was pretty cool. Of my parents, when you think about that, right? Yes. Uh, it was Miami Beach of all places. We were down there visiting my grandparents. I think it was June. I don't remember. It was around this time of year. I went to the concert, and I'm 10, 11. I don't know. The opening act is some guy named Hendrix. <laughs> and he's playing these songs with the guitar with his teeth and lighting the guitar on fire. And he was way above this audience of teeny boppers that you could imagine would see the monkeys. That's and funny. it's like I didn't appreciate it at the moment, but I went on to appreciate it a little more. Anyway. Um, and I got to meet Mickey Dolenz a couple of years ago at, at um, Sins Bank Park, and I mentioned this story to him. And he said that the Monkees and Jimi Hendrix really struck a great friendship during that tour and really liked each other and respected each other. He said, but our audience didn't understand Hendrix at all. So he yeah. left after about a half a dozen concerts. But that's not what I want to go. I want to go Coldplay. Are you a fan of Coldplay? I like Coldplay stuff, sure. Okay, clocks. Or Live in what? La Vida Loca? Yeah, yeah, yeah. V- uh, Viva La Vida? I don't know. Viva Whatever. La Vida. Viva La Viva Vida. La there Vida. you go. 
this this story has gotten around. Uh, they were in town uh, the other night, and Lincoln Financial Field. You know, they 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 get a crowd, and um, Chris Martin, I guess he's their lead songer, decided let's connect with the local audience, and here's what they performed. Um, I have mixed feelings, but I'll let you go first on this, if you would. I give them an A for thought process because, and Glenn, you and I have both been in town a long time now, 30-plus uh, now years for me, more than that for you because you got here before I did. And one thing that has not changed from the day that I moved to Philly in 1990 to today, sucking up to the hometown crowd always scores points. <laughs> whether, whether you are an athlete or a manager or a executive <laughs> or a talk a show host, sure. talk show host or a it. visiting musical act, sucking up to the home crowd, the hometown crowd works here in Philadelphia. But you got to be good at it. And that just wasn't very good. <laughs> execution, they get like a D. Yeah. Attitude A, execution D. Yeah, I'm exactly the same place, which is I admire it. When when a band comes in, you you can often see certain things. Like somebody will give them a Flyers jersey, and so the the guy will hey, I saw Mick Jagger perform in town in a Kelly Green Eagles jersey, right? And everybody nice. loved that, right? You love that. Or you just get the obligatory, hello, Philly! <laughs> Actually, once saw a guy say the wrong city, which was pretty no. funny. Oh, yeah. How you doing, Cleveland? It's like, yeah, you're a couple hundred miles away. That was oh, last night. Oh, you, you know where they played the night before. Right. That's it. And I understand because they're going different city every night, but get it right. So they went beyond that and tried to learn the song, and at least they got the lyrics. Um, so I don't want to kill them too much, but if you're going to do it, it's a fight song. It's upbeat. It's not a slow ballad dirge. Yeah, no. Okay, take the energy out of the room. Yeah, they had no idea. That's someone suggesting it to them, telling them what the words are. Can we get 20 minutes of practice in on this, and let's do it the way Coldplay would do it? No, 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 no. This is the Eagles fight song. You have to yeah. do it the way Eagle fans do it, not the way Coldplay would do it if you're going to do it here in Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm with you. You give them points for the points for the – what's the word I want to use on this? I don't know. But trying, but uh, really bad on the execution. So, yeah, okay. not good. By the way, so the uh, last caller mentioned Ray. Ray has a book signing today that I'm happy to plug for him at the Barnes & Noble in Broomall, actually from 1 to 3. I guarantee you Ray is already there, already signing books. And the thing about when you do a book signing with Ray, Jody, you've seen his handwriting, correct? Mm, I Are you talking signature or are you yeah, talking any, the, any of his handwriting? With the the yellow, yellow uh, notebook pad. 12 years of Catholic school 
perfect penmanship, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he his signature is this work of art, but it takes about five minutes for him to sign it. So we've done book signings together, and the line is always held up where Ray has to. Sl- I mean, he spends three minutes dotting the I. But go to go out to Lawrence Park Shopping Center, find him at the Barnes and Noble. He will sign your book. All right, All right coming so, up. So I took yeah. a shot at Anthony Sanfilippo. You took yes. a shot at Ray Dindra. Yeah, I want well, that on the record. Yeah, we each took a shot at somebody today. I got Sanfilippo. You got Dindra. Yeah, I poked at God, so I'm in more trouble than you. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Coming up, we'll preview tomorrow's show and find out what we forgot to talk about today. We'll sneak in a call or two at two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. He is Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now on ninety four WIP. And it's time for me to talk to you about United Tires. Uh, except I cannot find the read, but I will. Uh, hold on a second. And for me, here we go. Thank you. Before you head out on that summer road trip, i got to put this in a better place. Before you head out on that summer road trip, head in to United Tire to get those tires checked and save big all summer long with great deals on BF Goodrich and Michelin. It's the perfect time to save on safety and to get your vehicle ready for fun summer adventures with the family. Start your summer off right and make sure those tires are ready for drives down the shore. Before those summer road trips are in your rearview mirror, get to United Tire. Remember... Don't drive alone. Drive United. Joining McDonald, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP. This hour is brought to you by Meridian Bank, business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. Let me just give people a little preview of tomorrow, uh, which will be fun. Jody Mack, um, one of our guests tomorrow is Steve Cheltz. Uh, and I don't know about you. I have been having people clamoring to me to get Steve Jeltz on this radio station for years. Really? Yeah. So Ray and I did the um, Tell Us Your Story feature for a while where we would have Philadelphia sports legends. For a come while? On. You guys did it for years. Don't undersell yourself. Yeah. Well, we did 110 of them. Um, and yeah, each one was an hour long interview, and they were a lot of fun. And always when I would say, like, all right, this week we have, you know, Billy Cunningham. This week we have, you know, whomever. It's like, when are you going to get Steve Jeltz? And I always thought, like, oh, they're just kind of pulling my leg. But there was always, like, a Steve, an active Steve Jeltz fan club. Uh, he was not the greatest player in the history of the franchise, as you remember. Um, but this week marked an anniversary that we're going to honor tomorrow in our Scheib Sports this week in Philadelphia sports history, which was a game against the Pirates. Anthony Sanfilippo referenced it earlier. Phillies are down 10 to nothing in the first inning uh, at home, at the vet. Jim Rooker, who's the Pirates broadcaster, the color guy, says to the uh, play-by-play guy, hey, if we lose this game, I'm walking home. And I have it. We'll play it tomorrow. Phillies come back and win at 15-11. Steve Jeltz who didn't start the game, and again, we'll talk to him about this tomorrow, Jody, hits home run left-handed and right-handed. Right. And uh, Von Hayes, I think, hits a few, and it ends up being this incredible game. And Jim Rooker, true to his word, well, he doesn't walk home from that game, but he sets up a thing, I guess, when the season ended for charity, where he walked from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh. So uh, I I checked in with Steve Jeltz the other day. He's very eager to come on and tell his his story, and we'll have him on as a guest. And I think what we'll do, Jody, because we have a prize to give away tomorrow, 
we'll celebrate, and I certainly don't want to criticize Steve Jeltz. Who was your favorite Philadelphia player, I'll put it this way, who was far from being a star? Can I give you a quick story? Yeah. I was doing a uh, collector's uh, memorabilia uh, show here in Philadelphia. Shoot, it's got to be more than 10 years ago now. And I'm talking to the individual who's running it. Thanks for coming out. We broadcast live from there, blah, blah, blah. And he mentions to me that the most requested individual to get for this year in and year out is Tejito uh, Iguchi. And I go, excuse me? Yeah, I know him. And he goes, no, Tejito Higuchi is the one that I get the most correspondence on. Can you get him to come? Can you please bring him here? We want to see Tejito. And I'm going, what the heck are you talking about? He said, Jody, when they won the championship in 2008, a lot of the guys came back with the team the next year. We're still in baseball, whatever. People want an autographed baseball that includes all the members of the Phillies championship <laughs> team. Yeah. And Tahito Iguchi went back to Japan after that season, so people have a ball that has every single player on it except Tahito Iguchi. Oh, that's so great. That's I great. just thought I, it made 100% sense after he told sure. me the story and explained it to me. I had not thought along those lines. Yeah, we're going to have to ask Steve Jeltz if he knows why he's got this fan club here yeah. in Philadelphia. Anyway. So that'll be fun tomorrow. Let's find out from our producer, Kyle Quinn, what did we forget to talk about today? All right, fellas. So uh, I'm glad I got you both here today because I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, we haven't really had much of a chance to talk about the NBA Finals, guys. So uh, Steph Curry, 43 points last night, evens the Warriors with the Boston Celtics. It's now 2-2. Two to two. Heading back to the Bay Area, uh, really I just want to know if you guys think Boston's going to get number 18 or if you think this Warriors dynasty is going to roll on. It has been very back and forth, and uh, some of the games not competitive at all, but an interesting series that doesn't really seem to have a flow to it. It's just every game is different. Jody, I'll let you pick the winner. I, much to the chagrin of Philadelphia fans only, we talked about this last week, the rivalry isn't what it used to be. I think it's going to be the Celtics because, as we've noted, there has not been a team win two games in a row yet, Yeah, which means the Celtics should win game five, and then the Warriors should win game six, and it's going back out to Golden State. You would think two out of three game series, two of them in Golden State, that makes them a prohibitive favorite, except this series has proven that teams can win on the road. So, yeah, I think we're going seven, and the, and it'll be a great game seven out in San Francisco. Strike up the duck boats. Okay, what's next? <laughs> All right, well, I guess it's only natural that I bring this one up next. Uh, does the name Anna Horford ring a bell for either of you two? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the sister, right? Yeah, Al Horford's sister. Oh, uh, she's She's been around before. Uh, obviously had some choice words for the fans of Philadelphia, and if there was any wonder or any doubts, that Al Horford was uh, here as a sleeper agent for the Boston Celtics a few years ago. <laughs> Those should all be erased because Anna Horford pretty much confirmed that their whole family had been rooting for Boston the entire time that they were in Philly because Philly fans are a bunch of bleepity bleeps. Yeah, so, and by uh, the way, he chose to be here. That was not a trade. He signed right. here as a free agent. Uh, he was terrible. Uh, you know, uh, you always hear what a miserable experience it was, but... Um, he didn't produce, and she was a pain in the neck when when he was here. And uh, Jody, add whatever you like, but I, Anna Horford's got to go away, right? And if you got no use for her, I'm perfectly fine with that. But I, Al Horford, didn't bemoan his time here in Philadelphia. He didn't badmouth Philly as he went out the door. 
His family might, but he didn't. So I won't hold it against yeah, Al just, Horford for foolish poorly. statement. He just stunk. Well, I think you and I discussed this on, on a show we've done together at some point. It was a bad signing. It wasn't his fault. He was given a mega contract, and he came in here, and it didn't fit. Didn't it fit. didn't work. Yeah, it didn't the, fit with Embiid. The, the fit to begin with was a mistake, uh, and it, people got too excited. Oh, we're going to have the best defensive team in the NBA. Not necessarily when you got two guys who do the same thing, play yeah, uh, around-the-rim defense. Please allow me to in, to enjoy my hatred, Jody. You'll take that away from me. All, <laughs> All right, right, one more. Uh, I just think we, as sports fans, should stop paying attention to the siblings or family members of athletes well, because they're, I mean, they're just know, irrelevant. Get off Twitter, then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, last thing. You guys have been watching baseball a lot longer than I have. Maybe you guys can make this one make sense. Uh, a few days ago, Tony Larusa, the White Sox manager. Oh. Oh. Decided to walk Trey Turner as the count was already one and two, bringing up Max Muncy to the plate, who then proceeded to hit a three-run home run. Yeah. And uh, Larusa kind of doubled down on it after the game, but even that didn't make sense to me. So maybe you guys can uh, make it make sense. Made no sense to me, Jody. Hall of Fame manager makes no sense whatsoever. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> it just uh, defies all baseball logic. Yeah. Now, if you're going to walk him, walk him. If you have him one and two. And Larusa said, "Well, he's a really good two-strike hitter." Well, I, I don't know what you want your pitcher to do. I thought it was unfair to the pitcher. Right. Anyway. It makes the pitcher look like an incompetent guy that you have no faith in. We yes. had faith that you could get two strikes, but that third strike, oh, you're not good enough to do that. Exactly. Well, and oh, by the way, he's got to come in and pitch for you two days later. Good luck with that, Tony. Well said. All right. Great job, Kyle. Uh, Jody, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow morning. We'll be doing the show right up to uh, Philly's Arizona Diamondbacks. I'll see you then, my friend. I will attempt to get my hair into Jerry Curls in honor of Steve Jeltz tomorrow. Right? Oh, Don't, don't have a lot to work with, but what little I do, I will try and get Jerry curled. I look forward to seeing, seeing that. Uh, stay tuned. Go Birds Radio is coming up with James and Elliot. We will be back tomorrow. Everybody have a great day. Stay tuned right here on 94 WI. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. 
Check your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.